What's up, everybody? Welcome back to I Came With Fire podcast. Tonight, we are joined by George Kemper and again by Chris, who will be here for the next couple of weeks. Shout out. Hey. Appreciate you, Chris, for, for doing this. Happy to be chairing. Yeah, man. Uh, George, I'll let you introduce yourself. We were just talking about weary paranormal stuff. And I want to jump back into that, but uh, I'm going to let George introduce himself real quick and uh, we'll just, just go right in. Yeah. Uh, my, as you said, my name is George Kemper. I'm uh, from Chicago, Illinois. Uh, I am so I, sorry. Yeah, you know, it's it's a love-hate. We can get into that uh, a little bit later. Um, I uh, grew up in Chicago, uh, served in the Army, um, spent some time in Syria during that, um, got out of the Army, um, moved back to Chicago, ran for office, uh, state office, um, and now I'm back in school uh, with the end goal of going to law school, becoming a lawyer, getting involved politically in that regard. So super cool. Been bouncing around, have, have had some odd jobs here and there, but yeah. Yeah. Well, George, I got to say it is super nice to meet you. This is the first time that I've had it like an in-person conversation with an actual by God politician. (laughs) Well, I I wouldn't say I was that I didn't win. So I don't get that title. (laughs) Uh, You, you ran, you ran and and, Hey, congratulations because running's half the battle. I think a lot of people are too scared to even throw their hat in the arena. So hats off to you for, for doing that. Oh, thank you. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, I don't know if you know, Chris is also is in the army. So, you know, you guys, you guys have that in common. I'm the only airman in the room, which is which is cool. I'm proud of that. You know, somebody had to bring the IQ level up. That, dude, I'm just out here for you guys, truthfully. Yeah. So, but dude, yeah. So we were talking about Huska Castle, which is honestly one of my favorite weird things. Um, but Chris, you were talking about the Eternal, and I have I have some thoughts on that too. But I, can you recap real quick because yeah, I want to run down that. Absolutely. So, hey, guys, I came with Fire Nation again, standing in for Zach this week. Chris, I'm a Green Beret medic, a husband and a father. I run the Common Freaking Sense channel, which you can find all over social media. I do the bulk of our work over on Instagram. We exist to help you guys cut through the propaganda so you can enjoy thinking for yourself again. That's my little spiel. I'm off of it. Yeah, so what I was saying earlier is that uh, – as a Christian man, uh, you look at the way that God made us. Uh, it says in Genesis chapter one, let us make man in our own image, in the mm-hmm. image of God. They created him, which is very interesting, uh, bouncing in another third person. But what I really want to, f- what I was focusing in on is the fact that God made us in his own image, mind, body, and spirit. So there's a mm-hmm. part of us that's a physical component, a part of us that is the mind, our intellect, and then a part of us that is eternal like god is and that is Mm -hmm. the spirit uh and so i was kind of riffing on that a little bit and the question that i had asked you earlier was like why is it that mankind desires to do things that outlast us like why why would a a pharaoh of egypt like build these massive structures the pyramids uh that still stand like three thousand years you know after his death uh the founding fathers enshrining documents that still exist today it's because mankind desires to do things that echo into eternity that change Mm -hmm. the course of events because we desire to be like god and to do things that are eternal like god did for us that that, that's Mm -hmm. what i had been saying so thanks for thanks for letting me sound smart for just a second (laughs) hey man you don't need any help with that for real (laughs) i would like i want to hear i want to hear george's thoughts on this and then I'll, i'll kind of expand on what i what i was thinking when you were talking yeah i was gonna say i think that um I mean, I agree 100% in that. I think that one of the biggest drives of any people is to be remembered um, and to do deeds that keep you remembered. 
Um, but, you know, when we were talking a little bit about how are you remembered and then when it, when you that kind of goes into, you know, these these legends as a sense, um, there's a really great quote um, from J.R. Tolkien and mm-hmm. it's in Lord of the Rings and it's uh, history <laughs> became myth and myth became legend. And it's when they're talking about the story of after the ring, they thought they defeated Sauron. Thousand years, yeah. the ring passed from all knowledge. Exactly, and I love that quote when you apply it to history. I'm a history buff, um, and you I are love among that friends. Yeah, and I love that quote though because I'm like, how much is you know, at a certain point, there's got to be stuff that actually happened that people, whether it's oral tradition or written tradition, and it gets lost in the translation some things just kind of get lost and it's like, Oh, well, no, that didn't really happen. That couldn't have happened. Mm-hmm. And so I love that kind of take when you look at history, you're like, all right, maybe we gotta, gotta give a little faith uh, to, to some of the stories that seem a little far, you know, outlandish and a little far out there. Yeah. And I then when that. you layer on top of that, that history is always written by the victor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The person that's able and powerful enough to keep the, the scrolls or the texts or whatever it is you realize that you're only ever seeing history through a lens. Yeah. Good you know? point. And I'm, I'm glad yeah. you guys both brought, brought this up. So George, you with, you're talking about like oral tradition and then Chris talking about writing things down and, and the victors. Right. So it segues into what I was thinking about what you said, Chris, and that um, oral tradition is something that a lot of like native communities here in the United States, they still attribute to a, a completely valid way of storing knowledge and passing that information down. Um, and, and that's an old way of doing things even before writing was a thing. And there's the argument that writing itself actually created a lot of the loss in human history because there was not the need anymore for that oral tradition and to remember these things because somebody would write them down. And that potentially by, by writing them down, you sort of casting it into the back of your mind. And then over time, writing gets destroyed it gets lost or whatever and so those traditions and and those that knowledge itself gets lost as well right so one of the things that doesn't get enough attention in my opinion is that oral tradition like you brought up and it segues into what you're talking about chris and and the eternal right so the downloading of knowledge and there are people who who use something called the muse right so artists right um Jimi Hendrix, for example, talked about the electric church is where he got the inspiration for music. I mean, these are people that are, these are, they're geniuses, right? In their craft. And that information is high on LSD, (laughs) but, but, but is that really something to, to say that that might just be a conduit to make it easier for jokes? But it's, it's real. It's true. I think that 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 has a lot to do with it. Right. And, um, so that oral tradition itself is is the passing on of knowledge much in the same way that if you're tapping into the muse, so to speak, you're not getting something that's written down. You're tapping into that downloading of knowledge. So, And that knowledge, as you're talking about that eternalness that you brought up, Chris, it makes you think about like our soul and then the, um, the overall like consciousness of human beings. So like consciousness doesn't just exist in your brain the same way that love doesn't just exist in your heart physically. These are things that exist outside of us in the concept of time that we as humans put on ourselves. And, and that lens that you were talking about why we want to live beyond and we do things beyond what our um, 
you know, our, our human lifetime tells us we can live is because we are actually eternal. Whether you choose to look at that through like a Christian sense or religious sense, or perhaps a more like mystical esoteric type way, you know, I think everybody's subconsciously doing things to remain around forever because we really are as energy. Energy cannot be created nor killed, right? Destroy it nor destroy it. And so that love, that eternal knowledge, the consciousness we all share essentially is not just something bound by time and space. It's something that can be tapped into all the time. And I think too, going back to the oral tradition piece is why oral tradition has been so successful and potentially why I think it lends credence to the argument that perhaps writing in itself has been a culprit in the loss of human history because it removes yourself and your brain from using that ability. You bring up a really... Oh, oh, go ahead, George. No, go well, ahead. I was going to say one little thing with the oral, the the one gripe I would have with oral tradition, mm-hmm. and it's this, it's I think that like each oral and written have their own issues with it. Yeah. I'd say the one gripe with oral tradition is how humans tell stories and remember events. Definitely. Because all three of us could see the exact same thing happen. Yeah. Yep. A week later, we're asked how it happened. And we're all going to have three different stories. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like the game when you're a kid playing telephone. Yeah, it goes down the well, line, and so I feel like I'm like I think the key is when you you got to look at both sides of it, of written compare written with the oral, and then mm-hmm. you go from there. It's like at the end of the yeah. day, every, all history you got to take with a grain of salt because, like you said earlier, history is written by the victor. So mm-hmm. I'm I'm so glad I let you go first because layering <laughs> both of those two things together, uh, I was going to make the point. This is why I think uh, we've entered the age of the podcast, and the podcast is mm-hmm. so powerful because you're layering those two things together you have the oral tradition where Mm -hmm. uh i mean think about like uh dan bongino right is a guy that i enjoy listening to for his political take on things that guy was a blue collar uh nypd officer secret service Mm -hmm. guy uh had no business really writing books even though everybody pushes once he got famous they pushed him to write a book has no business you know like passing on his perspective of the world to other people super blue collar guy gets on a podcast and all of a sudden realizes that hundreds of thousands of people actually enjoy listening to his perspective and care what he has to say podcasts mm-hmm. have given the average joe uh or yeah. Aaron, sorry like yeah like no, like okay. us the ability to to pass on um you know for me 33 years worth of experience that i've had i have no right. business writing a book and if i did i i do journal for my kids that stuff is never going to be passed outside of our family obviously but then like you were talking about the fact that if i pass it to you it's it's the burden the burden is on you to remember Mm-hmm. You put these things in digital form on a podcast, and now it is cemented. You can go back and mm-hmm. reference it, you know. And so it's True. like I, I think that's one it's of the a good reasons and a bad thing. that, and of course, you get it's <laughs> yeah. Things are always you know a little bit left, a little bit right. But I just think that's why podcasts are so uh, powerful today, and why so many Agreed. people resonate with them. You know, interesting stuff. No, yeah, yeah absolutely. I mean, yeah, I was gonna say. I mean, it's kind of like a. I think with your point with Dan Bongino, it's a good point because you look at history, there's a lot of people who were really good uh, speakers mm-hmm. and they attracted crowds. But nowadays, you know, at a certain point, those speakers, it was only as much as they could travel as where they could get to to get the crowds. Sure. Nowadays, you don't have to have someone who's a literary mm-hmm. genius 
as long as they can, you know, put a podcast together and get it out there, send a, and, you know, send as many emails as they want to get some attention. Eventually mm-hmm. they'll pick up steam and it's like, Oh, Oh shit. This guy's got a yeah. good message that we should listen to. Yeah. Yeah. And AI does like 85% of the work for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. It's wild. Weird times, man. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I mean, as far as we know, there's never been a time in history where everybody has access to everybody else the way that we do now, you know, and you can even argue too, like it was while this is an absolutely astonishing thing that we're sitting here, none of us are in the same location. We're having this conversation. We can see each other's faces, hear one another, you know, whether that is a totally good thing or, or sort of a bad thing where there's, there's noise and everybody has the opportunity to voice that opinion and it creates sort of this pool of information that you have to sift through and it becomes really really difficult to begin to understand certain things so so you're that that whole quote about swimming in a sea of information but never really understanding anything Mm. excellent yeah 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 no no really i always wondered when i was a kid and i was reading the book of revelation when it talks about the 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 two prophets that come back and they're killed in the streets of israel and it says the entire world will know and will celebrate their death right i always wondered as a kid like how that was going to be and now you'll see some kid take a tiktok in downtown new york city and it just goes viral instantly and like mm-hmm. one you know ten thousand streamers becomes like a hundred million views in the span of three minutes and the entire world knows about it yeah you know? and it, it, it's like the bible was so prescient and yet it's like you know john was writing that stuff exiled in a cave in patmos Mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe high on lsd we don't know i can't say well, you did. there's a whole argument to be made for you know hallucinogenic things and and, and religion so it's pretty interesting i don't know if you guys ever looked into uh brian Murascu's work but um uh essentially there's a lot of these um ancient like amphorae right if you guys are familiar with like the the, the um, porcelain vases or i don't think they're porcelain but like the vases you store like wine in uh, but they've done studies on these to like get to understand what the properties of the what they were containing and and a lot of them that were used for wine and you're sitting sitting here thinking like well it's it's just grapes and yeast and all this stuff they actually find a lot of these really really strange things that you wouldn't think that you would put in wine they have hallucinogenic properties and even thc as well and so and these are these are things that these people are doing essentially to get into this religious headspace so honestly man i think man has been using hallucinogenic things forever to yeah. figure out god it's like the the whole like stoned ape theory as well if you guys are familiar with that you guys I was the, ape the, theory? Uh, the fermented ape, the fermented grape ape theory like how they all of a sudden one day picked up like some fruits that had been fermenting and they were like yeah oh, this makes us feel funny this is cool and i think everything was like born that was figured out an accident <laughs> exactly exactly Dude, yeah. I no, actually, I think... if you guys haven't, if you guys haven't seen it, uh, there's a, like a History Channel documentary, and I, and I don't like to, you know, support the History Channel because it's like it's it's really crappy reality TV for the most part. It not is like now. We were yeah. But they they did this uh, documentary called uh, "How Beer Saved the World." It's mm. it's kind of worth a view view, and it goes over that whole thing you were just talking about. It's pretty funny. As I say, we got to bring back a History Channel that had like future weapons on it and stuff like that. Thanks, I remember, right? Dude. Like, oh. <laughs> Bring back like early two thousands history channel. <laughs> you dude, and I, I wouldn't I have a chance though, dude. It'd be full with Navy SEALs. Like we wouldn't yeah. even <laughs> It's true. 
They're the only ones that anybody pays any attention to when they come out. Everybody, every Navy SEAL has got a book. It's probably a part of your contract. It's right at the bottom before you sign. You know, it's like right. you will at the end of your ser- terms of service. Well, no, it's it's actually three book. It's actually three boxes. It was like, do you want to be a military, a high paid military contractor? Do you want to start a t shirt company? Do you want to be mm-hmm. a social media influencer, or do you want to write right. a book? Yeah. Right. Yeah. I heard a couple of them found they they had a box and they said you have to really, really like five eleven gear and wear it all the time. So yeah. Uh... Yeah. So it's one of those things, you know, you sell Shots your soul fired. a little bit. Exactly. Oh, are you a five eleven guy all the time there, Chris? Me? Yeah. No, but I, I have been known oh, to uh maybe. raid the BX and buy five eleven for my family dude. members because it's so cheap now. Dude, dude, that's the BX is king at selling dorky stuff like that that's for sure did you know that i didn't know this it threw me off guard i was driving around outside like maybe an hour like an hour out of the city of chicago the other mm-hmm. day did you know 511 has like actual like brick and mortar stores yeah i had no I idea I, was... I, I did not i thought they were like exclusively in the px thought, and yeah like... <laughs> that's what i always thought i was like i thought there was exclusive like px Online, and their website yeah. Yeah. And I was driving by and I saw like a 5-11 store in like a suburb of like just outside of Chicago. And I was like, what is that? Dude, what a great place to sell your equipment outside of pretty much a, a fucking danger zone, you know? I was just <laughs> going to say that. If you yeah, drive out in the city places. to get my tack gear, I got to fucking, you know, I got a kid up again. And last time got in a battle with some Crips and Bloods and got my shit shot up. I got to go up back yeah, out of town and buy some stuff. Chicago's being outside of the wire and then the suburbs are inside the wire. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's a 511. It's a totally strategic economic move by 511. We're just going to set that up around you know, LA, Chicago, New York City, New York, St. Louis. Dude, St. Louis is dangerous as hell, too. I used to live in St. Louis. I don't know if you guys know, but St. Louis is scary as fuck sometimes. Oh, yeah. St. Louis is actually like one of the old school, like dangerous cities. We we have a, it's a murder uh, so, capital of the U.S. I don't, I don't know how. Yeah. It's it's always been up there. I don't know how familiar you guys are with like the eighteen Delta uh, like training program, but we have agreements with like certain jurisdictions where we let medics go there to train. Uh, mm-hmm. And you have to like, there's a whole like posit comitatus and everything. So it's like we are only allowed yeah. to do medicine or whatever. But anyway, St. Louis was one of the old city. We don't do it anymore. But when it first started, they went to downtown New York City. Uh, to the Bronx, and then they went to St. Louis. Was the other mm-hmm. city that they used to send guys to, like way back, way back in yeah. the day. I don't know if they do it anymore. I, yeah. They might. They might. They still do it actually in Chicago. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. We got boys. Yeah, your boy. Your boy here went to Flint, Michigan. So Chirac. Chirac. Yeah. <laughs> For real though, dude. So like, I, I mean, sure, George probably knows, but St. Louis is one of those cities like Kansas City where it's on uh, two different sides of a river in two different states, right? So yeah. East St. Louis is actually in Illinois, and that is like the super dangerous half of St. Louis. I don't know if you have you ever been to East St. Louis, George. I've driven through it. I got a buddy of mine who lives in St. Louis. Um, yeah. So I've you know this, driven driven around or by the area, but not not in. I haven't. Yeah, no, it's. I don't it's, spend time there. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like that scene. Where he's like, roll them up, and that's exactly what it is. You, you don't, dude. If Actually, it's I was, dark, get I was thinking about it. that. I was thinking about that scene in Black Hawk Down where they're trying to get out of Ogadishu, and they're just <laughs> like, <laughs> that's pretty much it, man. Absolutely. So, uh, George, I would like for you to jump in on um, the situation that happened with you right around everybody's favorite time, uh, where everybody was on lockdown. 
And times. Um, yes, dark times, the modern dark ages. <laughs> but um, when everything changed, would like you to just jump in. What was the situation that happened? Um, you know, that had you on the news and, and what was going on? Yeah, um, that was one of those funny things that just all of a sudden I was like, oh, this is happening. Cool. Um, didn't want this to happen, but okay, here we are. Um, so yeah, I reached out, I got out of the army in spring of 2020. Congratulations. Moved back to Chicago and, uh, was going back, starting back to go to school. Um, and during that time I was like, oh, you know, want to get a part-time job. Um, so I reached out to my old, uh, high school and I played baseball there and I reached out to them and was like, Hey, you guys have any like part-time coaching jobs, you know, assistant coach or something to like, you know, uh, I, I was like, I'd love to just get involved and kind of uh, mm-hmm. get back into it. And they're like, yeah, absolutely. I had a couple of guys who I still knew who were working at the school. They helped out and they're like, yeah, of course. So I went through the process and they were like, yep, you're good to go. Um, and then after they said like, yeah, it's good to go. Christmas was coming up. They're like, we'll get back to you after the new year. So I was like, okay, cool. And then like right around that time when I was expecting to hear back from them, I hadn't heard anything for, mm-hmm. you know, about a week or so after. And I was like, I'm going to reach out. So I reached out and they, and call, they were like, Oh yeah, we'll call you in a, like, you know, a day or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. And they called me and they're like, we uh, were revoking the job offer uh, because of stuff we found on social media, what you've been saying. And my okay. initial reaction was like, okay, I don't think I said anything that bad. I mean, like, yeah, it's, just, it's every now and then you'll say a spicy take, but nothing like mm-hmm. terrible. Um, and then also the thing that threw me off, and this still rubs me the wrong way, is that my Facebook was fully private. Okay. So the only way that they saw something was that if I'm a assuming friend. a friend who, mm. you know, they, right. they got it from someone else. Access so that your was, stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that rub, like, rubbed me the wrong way. Um, but long story short... Uh, they revoked the job offer. Um, I reached out, trying to deal with it internally, not make a scene. Sent a letter to like the school, kind of saying, "Hey, I don't think you guys handled this right way. I'd like to explain myself. Can we start a dialogue?" Mm-hmm. They ignored it all, um, and so then after that, I was like, "You know what? I'm just going to put it out there." Um, and then it all blew up. Uh, so yeah. that was kind of kind of interesting. Yeah, you know, some radio stations, some news channels, and. It was interesting to see how it picked up and so uh, how did it I, blow up? Did you was it because you reached out to places like the news or or whatever no, so, about it or did this? Well, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so I didn't reach out to anyone. Um, okay. I published a um, a an article about what happened. Um, okay, and like Substack or yeah, it was on a website called Red State. Okay, um, so I I got it published through them, and it was just my story about the situation and then from there it kind of was a snowball effect um and you know i am glad i did it because it was interesting is that i found out that there were other issues at the school that were going on Mm. and no one had spoken out yet um what uh so there were certain things where you know the curriculum parents weren't happy with the curriculum it was kind of a lot of like the critical race theory stuff um which was hot at that time too um and so because I spoke up and said something, then some parents started speaking up more and more. Mm-hmm. Um, and it even got to the fact where the school lost some pretty um, significant donors because of all of this stuff, um, which, you know, on one, one hand, hand, I'm like, yeah. And, you know, on one hand, I'm like, I wish that it didn't happen at all. 
Um, but mm-hmm. on the other hand, I was like, well, you know, if I had to be the one to start it, at least, you know, in in hindsight, in, in like, I'm kind of like, I hope that something good happened from it. You know, I hope either the school is kind of like, oh, hey, well, maybe we should fix X, Y, and Z. Um, mm-hmm. Or at least people kind of woke up and were like, oh, maybe this, yeah, maybe we should say something, start speaking out a little bit more. Yeah, I love when organizations like that just completely screw themselves over. You know, they, they start start something, they do something like what you're talking about, which is it's pretty scary. It kind of goes right back into what we were talking about before about how everything online exists forever, right? But somebody took the time and then a friend seems like as well to go into your Facebook, your social media presence and find something and use it against you to revoke your employment. Yeah. And so and yeah, I was going to say, and the, the one little, the one last thing I'll just add to the bit was what was interesting was their complaints about like my stances, my stances were against, all the COVID mandates. Mm-hmm. I wasn't ever saying like, I wouldn't follow the rules if I took the job or anything like that. It was mm-hmm. more just like, I don't think this is good. Like mm-hmm. this is a slippery slope. Um, and then, so their complaint was that it was like kind of too political. And then ironically they had black lives matter banners being flown in the school and mm-hmm. their own social media accounts were posting other political takes. So, so I saw that and I was like, just wasn't it just the wasn't right the right flavor. one. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I was like, mm, it's not a political thing. It's I just didn't have the right opinion. Right, it wasn't orthodox. Go figure. Yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah so it, exactly, it man is is you're you're creating a footprint online. We all are, right? Somebody could very easily go and find my and, I, and I'll say this too. I have had in my job hunt recently, getting out of the air force, I've had people bring up like, oh hey, I saw that you have a podcast, and I was like, yeah, I do. You know, I completely know that this opens me up for a lot of my thoughts and ideas. No one has ever said anything to me about it other than like, that's great. You understand social media. You understand all this. You know, so it's, it's been a positive to my knowledge. But it would be very easy for some of the things that I talk about to be used against me, in the right, especially where I live outside the United States in California. Right. So, yeah. Um, yeah. It, but no, for, for you, though, like the, the, the thoughts and opinions on, on what was going on, you know, um, and then kind of the misfortune of your location it, it working against you is, is pretty wild. It just the fact that that's being taken into account, like what were they worried about? Like you were going to go yeah, baseball practice, pull all the kids aside and be like, okay, boys, here's what's going to happen. Right. Is that what they were worried about or which, what? Which ones yeah. of you aren't circumcised? <laughs> Who's not yeah. baptized? Exactly. Right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and that was, that was the thing that I, like when I tried to reach out was kind of like, I mean, I told, I told, uh, this was one of, one of my friends who was at the school. Um, after it happened, I, re- I reached out to him. And I was like, I mean, I was just looking for a job to coach baseball part time. Like, yeah. it's not like I was looking for a soapbox to try to preach to kids. I was like, mm-hmm. I just wanted to teach him how to, you know, maybe have a better swing or, you know, oh, sure, second better. You know, like I was like compromise the youth of the school. Get out of here. That that brings up such a good point, though, because it's like if you if you really look at what has happened, you know, through the past, I'm going to say probably like five years. Mm-hmm. Because there was kind of a ramp up heading into it that I think a lot of us didn't uh, either see coming or didn't anticipate. I think that's fair to say. Definitely. And then it was like yeah. a lot of us like hit that wall at like 60 miles an hour and we're just like, what in the world is going on? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like if you look through the, the institutions, there's been a buildup for a long time of the quote unquote orthodoxy, like what's good and, and what's not OK. But there wasn't. Uh, like a a weapon strong enough in order to enforce it 
until COVID. And then COVID seemed to be the animus that was needed to then start forcing the orthodoxy that we all kind of because there was like things that was just like you know like yeah i got it man i'm a good christian man i'm not gonna drop the hard r that you know you shouldn't say that in polite society and if you do like you know people aren't gonna talk to you i can understand that we can all kind of live by those like certain societal rules Mm -hmm. but then it was again me as a christian man there was there was the idea of all of the sudden when i say hey i have like religious objections to to doing a thing because of maybe the way that your medicine is produced or Mm -hmm. i have religious objections to my my place of worship Mm -hmm. being closed down Mm -hmm. while while mosques were still allowed to operate we digging tunnels I'm, <laughs> I'm sure. Just wondering. I'm sure, I, you know, I don't know. Well, I mean, should I start? You know, like th- that's Go the for thing. It, it's bro. like I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure starting to feel targeted against mm-hmm. is the is the thing that happened. Is what I'll say. And that's a really interesting point that you brought up to where it's like, dude, I just I just want to coach baseball. I was just here to do like a normal thing. Exactly. And now all of a sudden, you're starting to use my views against me, my political views over here. What do those have to do with baseball? But everything became politics. Yeah, I mean, everything became fair play. I was Mm going to say, like, I mean, you think about it, like, to that, to your point, like, it used to be you could disagree with people about politics. Mm -hmm. It was like, you just don't talk about politics. You don't talk about religion. There are two rules at the bar, dude. You don't talk politics at the bar. You don't talk religion at the bar. And we all drink together. Yeah, we all drink. I'll play a game of pool with you and we'll all be happy. And, like, you'd have friendships and you'd be like, Oh yeah, I think so-and-so is more left or I think so-and-so is more right, but it doesn't come up and they're a good guy and I like hanging out with them. And Mm -hmm. nowadays it's like, Oh, Oh, they don't line up with me. I can't associate with them. And I'm like, I feel like that's so detrimental to society these days. There's no, there's no civility. No. And we have lived now through a period of time where we've all asked the question before is like, I know I did in high school, really learning about, and, and everybody brings it back to Nazi Germany, right? But it's a real question. How did they get to that point? And how do you get to the point where you're othering people so easily? And now we have lived through this period of time where it is so easy to understand how people do that. It doesn't require a lot at all. All of a sudden, you're applying, you get out of the army, right? You're going, you're trying to find a job coaching baseball. And then that's enough what you said about something to other you and put you in this out group essentially where you can't even coach a baseball team, a high school baseball team. And so to build on that, I'm going to point mm-hmm. out, I don't think you would have got the job either because <laughs> because Probably I not, said bro. one of the things I posted was almost exactly that. I remember one of the posts, as all, this is all I said, no pictures, no nothing. I just said, I bet there were a lot of Jews in Germany who got called conspiracy theorists. Yeah. And that was, and they didn't like, and they specifically on the phone said that they didn't like that one. And I was like, I wasn't demeaning to any race or religion. I just, that's a historical, like, you know, opinion. Yeah. It's kind of just yeah. like pointing something out. Like, I bet there were. There absolutely and, were. Like, yeah. And to your point, well, like, it's crazy. Well, dude, like, let's point this out real quick, right? So, are you guys familiar with the term pogrom by any means? Mm-hmm. Of course. That pil- pilgrim? Yeah. No, no. no. Pogrom or pogrom, oh. so it's how you say it, right? No, okay. So a pogrom essentially is a is a, an act where a group of people go out for the specific reason of harming Jews. Okay, 
and it could be so like crystal knock would be an example of that but a lot of um pogroms were done in russia during the period of time between like world war one and world war two even prior to world war one okay so um you know this idea of conspiracy theories and jews right you live through this all these different things the people that were being thrown in concentration camps there's probably a good portion of them that lived through these pogroms, right? And so you had what do you do when something weird happens, right? You're this is this is the frog in the boiling pot of water thing. You either react or you don't. And you think, okay, well this happened and maybe five blocks from where we lived, there was a bunch of Jewish businesses got raided really, really early in the night and destroyed. Well, it can't happen to me, right? And it's not gonna happen. And, and then you 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 get excited about it and your nervous system goes up and then it starts to calm down when it goes away. And, and you do that over and over and over again until you're in that state where now you're wearing an armband. And, well, now we're going to move you into these ghettos that we built. And, you know, you see where I'm going with this? And it's just like that conspiracy. I bet there were Jewish conspiracy theorists. It's exactly that point of, so, you know, you have I, to yeah. do something. Go yeah, ahead, I got to add this on top of what you're saying because this is what you made me think of when you, you asked the question, how did we get here? And that was such a great example that you just gave. So uh, Friedrich Gustav Emil Martin, I'm going to butcher the last name, Niemöller. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he was a Protestant pastor and a social activist uh, in the 1940s. But anyway, in his memoir that he wrote, he has a famous quote. He says, and then they came for the trade unionists, and I Mm -hmm. didn't speak up because I wasn't a trade unionist. I love this quote. And then they came for the Jews, and I didn't speak up because I wasn't a Jew. Mm -hmm. And then they came for me, and by the time, and by that time, there was no one left to speak up. Exactly. And like that's what happens, and that's why the division is so strong. Because if you can peel off minority groups of societies, like they already feel like they they they've got Christian white dudes in a corner. I'm just gonna say it. Like they've already you shop you at know, Home like, Depot. You're on a list, <laughs> <laughs> dude. That's a fact. No, like that's a no, fact. You're, absolutely. Yeah. Like a hundred a hundred percent, right? And so it's like if you can start peeling people off. In small enough groups, right, which is like the, the frog in the pot, like what you're talking about, you turn mm-hmm. it up just a little bit at a time. Everybody is usually fine to keep to keep their head down so long as, it, you know, you don't come for me. Uh, mm-hmm. And then by yeah. the time you're the, the last guy left in the corner of the room, well, guess what? Like all your all your would-be allies are gone, you know? And that's, yeah. like, that's one of the things that I feel like we're doing here in communities yeah. like this by bringing people together, by putting it online, by blasting it out there. You know, is like letting people know. I think like the strongest thing that we can do is let people know that you're not alone, first of all. You're not crazy, second of all. And then also like you're there are strength in numbers. There and like when you start combining people together and building those networks. Now I'm I'm a purveyor of unconventional warfare by trade, you know, so it's like I may have a little <laughs> more training in this than other people. But I think people are catching on just by by virtue of like understanding the information of war people are starting to like yeah contextually understand it even if they can't vocalize what they're doing podcast positive column for sure yeah i mean you see it in social media too is there's a lot of instagram pages yes popping off where it's just like hey for your knowledge here's how to make you know like a road trap here's for your knowledge you know how to make a blind 
Um, and just to let yeah, and just to let people know like how how the the Instagram pages work. Like if you follow one page, I guarantee you if you type in that page underscore one, type in that page underscore two, type in that page yeah. underscore three, they've got backups to backups to backups that they just keep changing the names of. Yeah. Just just letting you guys know that's how that stuff works because Meta like, they will not shut us down, dude. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, like one right, of, yeah. um I was gonna say what um was oh Reaper. Uh, is like a great one that I've stumbled upon in the beginning, mm-hmm. and they've they've got some they book like some of them have book recommendations. Um, oh yeah, and like there's just there's so much knowledge out there. I think with the internet, like what we were talking about is how podcasts have really pushed messaging. Like there's so much information out there, and Ooh. like I still like reading books. I hate reading articles. Um, yes, and so like for me though is I didn't know how many interesting books are out there. Whether it's, you know, like, like, I mean, I, I think I, I used to think I did, like, I read a lot, but like, right. all of a sudden I'll stumble upon a book. I'm like, I didn't know there's a book for that. Like, I, I'm not laughing. I'm not laughing at you. I've had the same realization. Yeah. That's why it's funny. But it's like, it's the year 2024. Somebody wrote a book about that. Yeah. Back in like 1850. Yeah. Like 200. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> for real though. And I'm like, I'm like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Of course they did. And then I'll look it up and I'm like, oh, Amazon, sweet. Five, ten bucks on Amazon. Great. Thriftbooks. Thriftbooks.com. Yeah. Greatest website. I love Thriftbooks. Yeah. And those, what are those old um, uh, websites that we used to surf in college to get our textbooks on? Is it Thriftbooks was one, and then there was another hmm. one where you could sell your old college textbooks? Oh. I'll have to go look I it up. Um, I use JSTOR a lot. There's a lot of those guys that you can go out there and just like mm-hmm. catch people selling their old college textbooks yeah. and soak up a lot of knowledge for like, you know, five bucks a book. It's yeah, or you, you you try to go sell back your old college books to the school and you paid eighty dollars for them and they'll offer you a dollar seventy two. It's like, okay, what we fuck you, bro? Yeah. dude. No, so you actually made me think of something it's a really really interesting. Dude, that happened to me, dude. Like your books cost you like thirty five hundred dollars and you go to sell yeah. them back at the end of the year, you make seven dollars yeah. and you can buy a and quesadilla at the school cafeteria. It's like, yeah, I'm just right. fuck myself, it was, dude. You it know? was it was the book. That the professor of that class right. wrote. We did even right? read yeah. it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. This is a book on modern architecture. I didn't even fucking yeah. open it. You know. Yeah. Why do you I? Dude, I literally have kept college books because I was like, hell no, give me, just give me that back. At Two dollars. That was a seven hundred dollar book. Hell no, I'll put this on my coffee table one day when I'm rich. <laughs> Fuck you. You know, straight up, dude. dude that's hilarious. made me made me think of something. You talk about books and uh, and uh, going back to you know Nazi Germany, but book burning, right? Burning knowledge, getting rid of it, banning books, all this stuff. Mm. Let's dive into. Do you think there's any sort of correlation or or equivalency, I should say, in burning books and then shutting people down, like their podcasts and pages down on social media for being dangerous? Who are you asking? You guys. Um, you think, do you think uh, that's kind of the jump, same? Can I can I jump yeah. in first? Where? Yeah, I'll let you okay. go first. Okay, I I think uh, I think I think burning a book is mm-hmm. so much worse. Okay, be- because you are erasing that that knowledge from all of history mm-hmm. if you get rid of it. So it's like um, I, I I do like there's a, a an argument between the left and the right right now about the whole book burning thing. And it's like, Oh, mm-hmm. conservatives want to burn books and they want to keep books out of libraries. It's like, no, we want to keep pornography out of elementary schools. It's a totally different thing. Uh, and I come Seems in normal. kind of <laughs> for most of human history, I come in kind of from a slanted 
spot on the right where I go, no, don't. Like, as Christians, I was against the whole Harry Potter book burnings back in the 90s, right? When Christians were like, oh, burn them things. My mom was all on board with that. I was like, you know, I, I don't think that you should. I read him at a friend's house because my mom wouldn't let him be there. <laughs> Sneaking into borders at, right before closing just in the back. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, I, I come at it from a slightly different angle, and that is, like, don't don't burn it. If you think that it's truly evil, you need to hold on to it and preserve it as a testament to why this is so bad. Because if you preserve it and you show mm-hmm. people mm-hmm. – now, that's, that's a lot different from publishing it and putting it in an elementary school. But it, it should be preserved because there needs to be, like, stakes in the ground so you can look back and see where you did right and where you went wrong. You know, and so for all of that, I think book burning as a practice is is abhorrent. I think it's evil. I think it destroys human history, um, and it, it it perpetuates like a a nothingness, but the eternal present. You only ever live in the present. You're destroying mm-hmm. history. You know, it's mm-hmm. the same thing. I would say like you shouldn't get rid of statues. You should. There's a reason somebody put that thing there. Right, whether for good or evil, there was a reason somebody erected that statue. Thought it should be a thing that that mankind should spend tens of thousands of hours sculpting. Right, whether for good or evil, versus taking somebody off of social media. You know, like yeah, it's bad. You you spent all of your free time doing it, but I think we all understand the game kind of at this point, and that is like if you're not backing all your stuff up before you go online, having backup pages. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, they can deplatform you, but you know at the same time, bro, like you did sign the user agreement. Yeah. You know, be- before you started the thing, so so those those are kind of my reasons. I think book learning is so much worse. I agree that it's worse. It's just, just like the the concept of eradicating info that you don't like. You know what I mean? Is it almost a modern modern version of that in a way? I I don't yeah. see the two as the same though. Um, yeah, and and I I think the reason why is like I don't and I, I don't take this the wrong way. Mm-hmm. I think that as as guys who put out a podcast, I think that it's worse or I think it's different for burning a book than shutting down someone's social media or podcast. Mm-hmm. I think it's very different because the amount of work and time and knowledge someone has to have to True. write a book and then get it published and edited is a lot different than the knowledge, time and effort to make a podcast. And that's not to say that they're both aren't valuable because there's mm-hmm. really shitty books out there and there's really shitty podcasts. <laughs> and Definitely. there's also really great books and there's really great podcasts. Sure. Yeah. But I think that I wouldn't necessarily put them in the same grouping of being canceled mm-hmm. or deleted yeah. because the effort to do them and the processes to do them are so different. Yeah. The same uh, way as I wouldn't put like going if you went down to the Times Square and got on a soapbox and started talking mm-hmm. and trying to gra- draw a crowd. I would say like that's a th- it's its own entity in itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I, I think that and, you guys and I guess the last, the last thing is, however, to your point, mm-hmm. if a, if a government is doing any of the, if it's trying to shut down any of those three or all of them, mm-hmm. it's a bad sign. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, yeah, no, I definitely agree with you both that, that I think book burning in itself is, is definitely the more abhorrent act 
you know, it, it uh, again, right? I think we all look at the internet as sort of this anomalous thing that just exists. And you brought up the user agreement, right? You get on a platform like YouTube or Instagram, you have to agree to those. And even if you don't read the terms and conditions, you've agreed to them, right? And so it's it's not just an open platform. Like you can get on a soapbox in the middle of, of somewhere and say what you want. You know, there's there's this sort of thought process that the internet is sort of like that, but there are rules. And yes, there's rules in public as well. You can't do certain things, but it's a lot easier to get censored online than it is out in public, right? Without physical force, you know. So, but the the act of of collecting all of somebody's work and throwing it into a pile and burning it, you know, maybe it wouldn't have the same effect today because a lot of print exists online anyway, right? But I think that act symbolically is definitely a lot worse. But the idea popped into my head because it is just the killing of ideas. You find an idea or, or a set of ideals, right, that you don't like. And the effort is to collect all that author's work and throw it in a, on a big conflagration and, and burn it. Or you find it all online and do your best to eradicate it. It's just yeah. like the whole killing killing ideas thing, I think, is is the point I was trying to get at is that this is like canceling people online and shutting down certain ideas in a forum where everybody has access to them is kind of the modern version of, or maybe book burning was the old version of canceling, I guess. Yeah. I think, I think I didn't think of it that way in that regard. I absolutely agree. Um, because one way or another, you're erasing all of Mm -hmm. the thoughts, all of the ideas, um, that someone put a lot of time into putting out there and organizing Mm -hmm. in one way or another. And it, it, to your point, like it just made me think of how you were saying, you know, it's the modern version of it. Mm -hmm. How many people do you know who really read books anymore? Like, you know, compared, compared to, compared to the 1940s, thirties though. Yeah. I mean, that was, that was the medium. That was the medium. Nowadays, the medium is audiobooks, our podcasts, Mm -hmm. podcasts. Um, Yeah. So I I think like, I think you're absolutely right. Is that that it's, it's, it's just the medium is, the medium has changed, but it's still Mm -hmm. the same, same, uh, idea. I think the act of burning books is scarier for sure. Go ahead. Sorry. Have you you guys heard of cultural sensitivity, uh, author teams? No, I've heard of cultural sensitivity training. Right. So the thing that I think is scarier than even book burning, and a lot of people don't know that this is going on, is that uh-huh. uh, there are groups that are buying up uh, the IP of authors uh-huh. that are deceased, and then they're turning oh. them over to cultural sensitivity authors. And they're actually going through and they're rewriting yes. or editing the original text and and one yes. great example of this is, are the books of Rome. Don't tell me it happened in nineteen or nineteen eighty four. That'd be I just can't. too cliche. No, it's, 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 it started it's so the first now, time, actually. The first time that I heard of it was last year in early twenty twenty three. The works of Roald Dahl, if yes. you guys know of him. Oh, yeah. uh, James and the Giant Peach is probably the, the most yeah. commonly known. Which are is Yep, are being turned over to cultural sensitivity author teams yes. that are going through and they're rewriting his original works and re-editing them and then republishing them. I have seen for, that, yes. For modern authors. And I think that that is probably the most insidious thing that's actually happening. Because I agree. you could have two people, hey man, have you read James and the Giant Peach? Oh yeah. And then you start talking about it, but the book that you read and the book yes. that I read are not the same book. Dude, that is yeah. evil, in my opinion. Like, I get Absolutely. you on the rights, but I guarantee you, dude, if you could Encino Man roll a doll and bring him back and show him this shit, he'd be fucking pissed. He'd be, he would he'd... be 100% against yes. it. Yep. 
He'd get a BFG, big fucking gun, and put it in your face. <laughs> there you and go. that'd be the end of it. For yeah, real. I mean, I mean, the aspect too is even even if you go and you're and you take the approach of they're trying to do the right thing and they're trying to better the person, the author's work. Well, like, yeah, but the, high, like the it's, highway, it's 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 the high, yeah the highway to hell is, or the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Mm-hmm. But like even that intention is wrong. Like it is respect the like respect the author. I mean, like when you look at you wouldn't go up to the Mona Lisa and take the greatest. The the, you wouldn't take the greatest. <laughs> art, well, yeah, no. But you know, if 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 there was, you wouldn't take the best artist in the world and say, hey. We want you to just like touch this up a little bit. It's fading it here and there. Just happened last week. Yeah. <laughs> no, for real. Hey, listen. Like, we we, we want to see some like it is. some rouge on Mona. She's looking yeah. a little pale. Don't you know? update it for the times. Like, hey, okay, respect the work for what it was. Or, or hey, man, she looks a little feminine. <laughs> True. She needs a little five o'clock shadow. <laughs> yeah. I want to know what the cultural sensitivity authors like in the future how they would rewrite WAP. I want to know what that. You know what I'm saying? Like how do you how do you touch that up or or is that art in tune enough? It just is, you can't redefine, you know, wings I of pizza, <laughs> something. You know what is it? I want to know. There's a, there a stand-up guy who actually had a great bit. I don't know if you saw it, and it was he was it was right when um, um, Baby It's Cold Outside was canceled. Oh gosh, that uh, was like and two, he, two or three he, Christmases ago. Yeah, and this comedian he stood up on stage and he had. Uh, WAP and uh, Baby It's Cold Outside, and he goes, "Guess I've which one of these songs was canceled?" Yeah, and he it, reads them back verse to verse. Oh man, and it's it's hilarious and infuriating at the same time. He goes, "One mm-hmm. of these is like on the number one charts. One of these that's, is canceled." Okay, that that yep. stuff pisses me off so much because if you ever had Not female empowerment, like, George, like li- listen, listen, if if you were ever a fifteen year old guy and you actually got out of your mom's basement and had I to go been. to like church youth group or go to high school and actually talk to a girl you know the whole like push and pull thing of trying to get a girl to like go on a walk with you in the woods you know it's like like we've all been there we've all been there and like somebody that would cancel baby it's cold outside like the dude's trying to get her to stay overnight in a cultural Mm -hmm. contextual time where she goes, you know, if I, but there's bound to be talk tomorrow if I stay at your mm-hmm. house because then people's going to know what happens, you know. And he's like, oh, but, but, you know, like, but it is cold my, outside. Imagine my <laughs> exactly. lifelong sorrow. It's if pretty respectful happen. sounding. And, you know what I mean? You know, and then it's like, you know, he pours her a drink and they have another mm-hmm. cigarette and they're doing this whole thing and it's a, it's a beautiful flirt, like back and forth. It is, and it, like, it is a flirt. And it, and when it was written, she. Here's the thing that they don't understand about it. It's canceled because they say like it's it's misogynistic. Who has all the power in that song? Her, the girl. She's on her yeah. way to the car, and he's yeah, like, he's trying on to convince her to stay. Yeah. You know, and, and that's the whole point. Is he's like, oh, like come on, baby, stay. And she's right. like, no, I I gotta go. And you know, and it's like the, when the song ends, it's like, did she stay or did she go? You don't know because mm-hmm. it ends on "Baby, It's Cold Outside." She has all the power in that song. It's classy. It's it's you know, it, it reminds me of those memes where uh, they show like pictures from the 1930s and then pictures from now. You know, and you mm-hmm. see like dudes like wearing pants around their ankles. And oh then gosh, back in the 1930s, dudes are walking around in three piece button down suits, and all the girls are in dresses, and they're like, "Here's how people used to dress to go to a baseball game." Right. Oh yeah, here's I've seen how, that one. That George couldn't coach dre- at. <laughs> <laughs> here's how people dress to go to church now. 
Mm-hmm. You know, it's yeah. like, and what right. and what changed? You look at the art. The art changed. You look at the politics. The politics have changed. What? Here's a question that I have for you, Brandon. Which one was the impetus for it? Does does the art follow the culture, mm-hmm. or did the culture follow the art? Like, wh- which one spearheaded? Do you think to get us? Did here? art imitate life, or did life imitate art? Is that yeah, what you're asking? Right? The mm-hmm. chicken, the chicken and the egg. You know, chicken. Well, the egg I have question. a strong opinion on this one. Okay. Ooh, all right, all right. Um, well, I'll exercise my my host privilege. Um, and I'll let George go first, Mm-mm. but I just, oh, me, okay. oh, no, I just want to point out that I, I'm really proud of you, George, for throwing in a Zen and giving the middle finger to Chuck <laughs> Schumer. I appreciate yes. that. I appreciate that. Yeah. Over here in Zimbabwe. <laughs> fuck, fuck you, Chuck. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, so we're, does, we're for, we're for Zen dependence here. Zen dependence. Yes. I like yeah. that one. That's a good one. I don't have a clever one. I'm sorry. I let you guys down. Um, no. Oh, man. Okay. Does life imitate art? Does art imitate life? And what got us to this point? I would definitely say that... um, Let's look at the 60s, right? Okay. Let's consider here for a second. I think that the the art of the time, right? So music in the 60s is extremely quintessential. And it it is 100%. You look at, um, you know, the 1960s and 70s even, right, with disco. And then you you start marching into the 80s and look at how different music got, okay? Um, I think that this is a a life imitating, uh, or excuse me, an art imitating life sort of thing. Uh, I would say that. And the reason I say that too is I'm going to go back to to drugs here for a second, okay? Um, And this might be a weird opinion, but I think that there's some some water to to be held here. The types of drugs people were using in that time were, were very psychedelic and, and hallucinogenic, hence the type of music. Um, and there was a large crackdown on those drugs by the government. And then you get to the 1980s and, and it's all heroin and and crack, right? And the music changes and, and all this stuff, right? So um, I would say like it's a sign of the times, the music and the art, and that that essentially is is – the order of things, I guess, if that makes sense. I don't know if that was the answer you're looking for. I think that life this is happened. A take on it. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that life was was changing. I think that you know the, the 1950s and the World War II is over. The the way life was being perceived started to change because the United States started becoming the the world power, and that was. I think that's also one of the 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 our downfalls as well as seeing ourselves as the, the lone power. It's like that line from. Um, Dark Knight Rises where Bane told, tells Batman, he says, victory has defeated you. And mm. um, That's I think one. that, yeah, I think that that has a lot to do with it. And um, so I think that just... I call it, it's the, a, uh, I call it the I call it the velvet handcuffs. Velvet handcuffs? Elaborate. Yeah, because the, the well, the idea is that uh, the velvet handcuffs is an obvious... It's it's alluding to you know the the time with the prostitute. She gives you the velvet handcuffs and and you hmm. never you put them on never yourself because well it, no it's a Chris Hambrock special like that's what oh, I okay. call it is, okay, is okay. what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's where you become a slave to your own pleasures, mm-hmm. and so it's handed to you. Here are the velvet handcuffs. So you, they're not mm-hmm. slapped on you like the steel ones. You take them and you bind yourself because mm-hmm. you become a slave to your own pleasures. And yeah, that's, this, that's what that's what I call it. I know, think that you you took what I was trying to get out. You. 
yeah, you, you kind of turned it into your example of the velvet handcuffs, like building your own cage, so to speak, right? Right. So That's I think that essentially what I was trying to get at with the entire, you know, victory has defeated you thing, the United States becoming the lone superpower at the top, um, is exactly why you have the 60s and the 70s. It's sort of the there's nothing better to freaking do. So we're going to do a bunch of drugs and we're going to make a bunch of music about it. Life is pretty awesome. And it leaves room for the civil civil rights movement, right? Because now you have the time and you live in a first world country where you're not being challenged by another nation. You can try going after some of these things that maybe weren't attainable before. You know, you look at the periods of time before that, you had the 1920s leading up to all of this surplus in the United States and then the, the stock market crash. And you have FDR pulling pulling the United States out of that. And then you have World War II, right? And so there wasn't really any time in the United States as a country, like even if you take a portion it back even further than that, World War One, the Civil War and, and you know, in the uh, the restoration, right? There's no time really to get through all that stuff. So I think really that was the first time the U.S. Has, had had an, an opportunity to kind of sit on its laurels, so to speak. And then you start seeing all this. And I said to you before, Chris, I think, and I, there's an argument to be made for this, that the more um, egalitarian a society becomes, the more it starts to erode. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And, I, and to back you up, I think that 2010 was mm-hmm. basically like 1962.0 because, hmm. hey, we got, we got bin Laden. Mm-hmm. The rest of the world forgot about the GWAT, even though some of us were still fighting it. The rest of the world kind of forgot about it. We rested back on our laurels even harder, mm-hmm. and then you had the same thing. It kind of mirrored each other from you know uh, two generation or three generations post, where it's like you got all these kids that are born in the '60s that didn't have to fight uh, during World War II, and they have a they have a group of parents that saw the absolute worst that the world had to offer and said, I don't ever want my kids to go through that and gave them everything. Well, a kid mm-hmm. that doesn't have anything to fight against is going to find a problem. Mm-hmm. We're human yeah. beings. We de- we desire to struggle. Is there, There's a weird yeah. thing about us. Well, we that's why we are struggle. arguing about well, bathrooms. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> no, for real point. And so, And then so in 2010, you got a group of kids, and so now you have the GWAT vets that are coming back, and we had a little bit of a dip, and we, we went over. A lot of us did. I enlisted in 11. We, mm-hmm. And we went over and we, we, we had our thing. And then now our, our kids, same thing, except they, the, the thing is you can't ever – like we already did civil rights. Sorry. Mm-hmm. We already did civil rights. So now we got to do civil rights 2.0 for what they did in the 60s. You see what I'm saying? And so it's that's like why – Recreating these, Spider-Man over and over again. Right. <laughs> and that's why I think those things are, are going like this. I just wanted to back yeah. up. No, I, I, I do. I appreciate I agree it. With I, like, I like the – velvet handcuff analogy um Mm. i would argue though that we're not repeating i would argue that 2010 era is not repeating the 60s i would say that the analogy would be better to uh would be closer to the guy at the bar who's talking about his high school glory days Mm. because check tape check tape it's it's kind of like it's like we've been there we did that I'm too old to do it again, but I still love bragging about it. Mm. And I get my ass kicked and I would get it kicked. And I have in some ways, you know, but it's right. the guy who's been kicked out of the bar a couple of times. He's lost the right. fight. You know, he's, he back likes to back pick. world war champs. Yeah. Baby. I mean, how many times <laughs> do you hear that? Like with this, this plastic patriotism, you like, you mm. see it around. And I would argue that like that rise of plastic patriotism is closer right. to a, 
like glory days at the bar mentality mm-hmm. than we're taking our own like than than anything else. Um, Actually, that's a perfect segue, George. I had one question that I I absolutely had to ask you tonight. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, as as a politician, uh, <laughs> what, what what party did you run for? I ran. So this is how I said I ran under okay. the Republican Party. Okay. I, but I am myself. Okay. Um, okay. So I'll, that was, I ran on the Republican ticket. I have a lot of issues with the Republican party. I have a lot of issues mm. with the Democrat ticket. Um, in a perfect world, I would have ran independent. Mm-hmm. Um, but you got to play the hand, the, you yep. got to play the hand you're dealt. No, hundred percent. That's the political yeah. system that we're given. So, uh, you and I have a, a lot in common there. So I do have to ask your take on what's going on at the Southern border. Based on oh. what you just based on based on what you just said, I would I would really like to know. So just to just to kind of tee it up a little bit more for anybody that's not paying attention, I don't know what you're doing. Are you are you hiding under a rock? Uh, so, uh, Governor Greg Abbott, uh, the governor mm-hmm. of Texas, has mobilized the Texas Military Department. A lot of people don't know uh, Texas has a National Guard, but they also have a Texas Military Department, a private military department, uh, completely. Go and look that up if you don't understand the difference, uh, but they are a unique state in that fact. Uh, that He has started enforcing the southern border by putting razor wire in place. The Biden administration uh, ordered them to remove the razor wire. The gov- uh, Abbott administration of Texas basically said – Fuck you. Read between the, read yeah. between the lines mm-hmm. uh, and said uh, the Supreme Court ruled on it, said that the federal government has the right and may remove the razor wire, at which point Texas mobilized the National Guard, kicked out the CBP, completely took control of certain areas of the southern border and said, if you do come in and remove the razor wire, we're just going to put up more. At that point, the... Biden administration gave them 48 hours, which elapsed uh, two days ago, to remove the wire. Texas also, again, said, F you, we're not going to do it. And then started flying the Gonzalez flag above the Texas National Guard buildings, which is oh, the yeah. take flag take it. For, for, for you guys that don't know. So that's kind of the situation that we're in. For anybody that doesn't know, that was a very short primer. Uh, George, your, your take Good. as a politician on what's going on. Um, so... I will preface this. My take as a failed politician, which I wear as a badge of honor in some ways. Um, <laughs> a politician of delayed success. Yes. No. Um, honestly, I, I like that. No. So just my opening statement with what's going on in Texas is when did it become so wrong to prioritize your own people? Like, I it, it drives me nuts when we are sending billions of dollars to every other country in the world. We are doing everything we can to help every other country, but yeah, Israel, but like Israel, we're, we're, (laughs) but then all of a sudden we have our own border and we have so many issues in our own country and believe like I'm all for welcoming people into this country. That's Mm. the whole point of America. Like we are a melting pot. Um, And I do believe that we should take in the best that the world has to offer emphasis on the best. Best. Yeah. And like the fact that we have so many issues at home and it's all of a sudden controversial to say, 
we're sealing off the border. We can't let you in. It's only going to make things worse. I, I don't understand how that's a bad thing. Um, so, I mean, if I had a magic wand, I would say lock that shit down immediately. No one's coming through. No compromise on a bill. Not this 5000 a, a day. Um, no one's allowed in. We're dealing with what we have. And in a couple of years, in five, ten years, whatever it takes, once we have gotten everything straightened away, we'll let it open. Maybe we can then. Maybe we can let more more people in illegally or Dude, or illegally. I would love to okay, expand so, on your your idea there. So say say you were a, a member of Congress right now and you had an opportunity to speak to Governor Greg Abbott. What what would you say to the governor of Texas and the Texas National Guard? What would you say to them? I would say, how can I convince my governor to send National Guard troops to Texas? So, great answer. I want to expand on, on this too, like this this concept, right? So there's this sort of belief that floats around, and it's not even just Americans that hold this belief. You know, I have friends that are European. I have friends that are from Japan. Um, and even talking to some of the Africans in a few of the countries that I've, I've been deployed to before, sort of look at the United States this way, almost that we have a moral obligation to take everybody and anybody who wants to come to this country. And I think that America as a brand around the world has has ex- exhibited itself that way. And there is this sort of schoolhouse rock idea of the United States. OK, I mean, and that's, I think that's a good way to look at it, though, Chris, you know, because it is 100 percent. this. Bail. Yeah. <laughs> but but here's the thing, man. This isn't this isn't 1902. OK, we're not coming off the heels of or still in the throes of the Industrial Revolution. Okay, we're not a bunch of there's not just a bunch of, uh, you know, European, Middle Eastern, you know, whatever you know, people coming here, Chinese to, to immigrate to a literally new country, fresh off a of civil war and reformation to and there's there's the opportunity to build. Right. We're not taking away anything from the country. They're literally here to build this country. Okay. Um, I would 100% argue that the people coming across the border, while there are people coming across seeking a better life, there's that mother with her two kids, right? Went through the the tribulation of of maybe hiring a coyote to take her there, you know, what's going to happen. But these aren't people coming here to, to build on the United States. They're not people coming here to assimilate. You know, there are there's even people who are expecting the United States to assimilate to the people coming into our country. And I would argue that's a very backwards business model as well. Oh, and you I see would, it all the time in Chicago. I mean, do, yeah. And when you see it for Mexican Independence Day, it's mm-hmm. one of the they shut down the streets. Yeah. And, and listen, it's man, not an official shutdown. It's just no. they put their car, flags on their cars. They drive around. And it should I, be like, illegal. My wife and I have talked about this, where if we moved to, say, Poland. Mm hmm. Because we felt it was better for our family, or hungry, or That's where, a, yeah, that, like wherever, right? Fourth of right. July rolls around. I'm not going to be driving around in my car flying an American flag. I'm going to no. go barbecue in the backyard and teach my kids about kind of, hey, this is this is our history, this is our heritage. Well, but dude, like I'm going to adapt. I'm going to learn the language. I'm going to become. I'm going to be, be proud. Also, my aspect when I look at it is I'm like, you left your country for a reason. You came here. Be proud of being here. Yeah, well, I, I I said it to a friend of mine the other day. I was like, when you go when you go to a neighbor's house, do you knock on the front door and mm-hmm. go in the front door and then, oh hey, do you mind if I reach in the fridge? Right? Is yeah. is that not how you treat your neighbor? Yeah. Like, why absolutely. do you why do you treat your neighbor that way? 
Or do you go around, hop his fence, pick the back lock, go in and start taking stuff from his fridge? One's a thief. The other one is a guest. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And so it's like if you can understand that on a micro level between neighbors, then it's not that hard to Mm-mm. understand that if the very first thing that you do, there's a fundamental difference from a person. And I, let me preface this by saying I completely understand. I, I've I've been to third world countries, same mm-hmm. as you, Brandon. I've seen the hurt. I've seen the suffering. I've seen the human indecencies that happen. I've been there. I, I was a civil affairs uh, soldier before I was a special forces soldier. I, like I've, I've dealt with this stuff in humanitarian disasters. I'm very, very familiar with it more than most. There's a fundamental difference in a person in their very first act in your country, mm-hmm. in their mindset, that they're going to sneak in the back gate because they they know the the give me dats right that they're going to get versus the person that is willing to show up at a port of entry speak to border patrol understand you know or go through here's my passport yes i desire for a green card i desire to be a part of the united states that person will assimilate because they respect you they respect your culture what you see at the southern border is not a group of people that respect our culture and you know what and 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 americans out there what have we done for them to respect that's that's the thing i think we need to talk about what do we actually export around the world right now that people should respect us and come in the front door because mm-hmm. i think that's probably the biggest problem I mean, uh, that's, not, that's, that's yeah. not a problem that we can solve here on this that's, level that's, that's a fair point no. for sure and i would argue too that the, the process for people to correctly assimilate in the united states and come here naturally and become naturalized citizens is a very convoluted and difficult and expensive process right. too I Zach, agree. Zach, even his wife coming from Japan, it's it's a yeah. crazy process they have to go through. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think but, we should make that process so much easier and streamlined. I agree. Absolutely. It would, it would change but, a lot. I agree with yeah. both of you on that and, one. And I going do. back to I what do. you were talking why about do we, before. Why do we treat people that try to do it the right way like criminals and mm-hmm. then people that sneak through yeah. the back gate? There's no incentive like, why do we do to that? come through the front. There's no incentive to come through the front door. And for what you're saying, you had said earlier, George, about like reliving the glory days. This isn't the glory days anymore where, where it is. This is coming to Ellis Island and getting processed and coming through. These aren't the same people. This isn't the same point anymore. People don't want to assimilate. We're not the shining beacon on the hill to go back to the respect thing. You're talking about what is the product the United States puts out there. You know, people don't come here to become Americans. They come here essentially for the gimme dats, like you said. You know, and, and so honestly, I think that one of the first things we, we should do, if I could give an answer, you know, if I was a politician, is is completely turn off immigration for 10 years. I think mm-hmm. that there needs to be that complete and total moratorium hiatus on immigration. Fix the process, secure the borders, stop doing that. And I would take it a step further because I truly don't believe that, A, it's not the same times. We are not the same people anymore, anybody globally, not just as Americans. That if you are a first generation immigrant, I do not think that you should have the ability to run for political office in this country. And and I do not think that you have enough invested. I do not think that you have spent enough time as a citizen. Being a citizen needs to mean something. It needs to mean that the rights that you have as a citizen are exclusive to that citizenship and that you need to do something, set up roots, have an intention of being an American, assimilate into the culture before you're allowed to make decisions for people who have been living here for three, four, five plus generations. 
That's what and, I would do. And one thing to build on that, there was a, uh, a bit I was reading, and I'm going to paraphrase it. I can't remember it, but it was mm-hmm. um, from St. Thomas Aquinas. Mm-hmm. And Ooh, very nice. He, and he had a very interesting take on immigration. And he did not believe that oh, – let me turn that light back on. Sorry. No fun. Um, he did not believe that um, immigrants – should be fully given all of the rights mm-hmm. that the their fellow countrymen should mm-hmm. be given until after two to three generations. Mm-hmm. And his logic behind that was that you cannot expect someone who is not from your culture mm-hmm. to come in and work towards the betterment of a culture that they don't understand. I think that's totally fair. And I, I was like, you know, actually, that, that does make sense. Like, whether intentionally or unintentionally, you don't know how things work. You don't know the culture. Like, I wouldn't move to, like, China or Japan and be like, was, hey, we're I doing was, it my way. Like, I, I know better. I was just going to say, have either of you guys been to Japan? Well, yes. I have not. Dude, no. How much shame have you been told that you have brought upon you as an American if you show up in another country and act American? Yeah. I mean, I've literally it, it, gone the, to the other ugly, countries before. The ugly American is a literally. Yes. A I was just yeah. going to say that's yeah. what we yeah. export. That's yes. that's yeah, the deal. That's our yeah. Jean <laughs> shorts, ugly American, and a Fourth of July T-shirt at the at the Parthenon. That's that's Hell the American yeah, right there, brother. Yeah, right. New, new balances. Yeah. You know, and it's hey, like let's not, um, let's not dish on the as a as a as a dad well, of a five month old son. My bad. Okay. I, I rock the fanny pack in New Balances. Sorry, <laughs> I have sorry. I, I have I have an interesting take on that, and you and you're absolutely right. I think I think there's a, a such thing as like toxically American, but when I say American, I'm not talking about an actual. So, okay. So James Madison is famously quoted as saying that you should read the Constitution, understand the Constitution, and teach the Constitution to your children, or otherwise we will lose it. Mm-hmm. That's what he said. James Madison, very, very famously. And I think that it was very prescient because, like, look at where we're at now. So when I say toxically American, I'm not talking about, you know, a person that is ingrained. Like, I keep the declaration of independence on my wall like you can see i got you know i'm wearing the john hancock John Hancock. you know it's like you know i i love it i teach it to my children all my kids are homeschooled and i teach them to read by the bible and the constitution like that's what we're doing actually in Mm -hmm. in the in the house you know so that they that way they can understand it and i'm not saying that all that is like look at me what i'm saying is like those are the important documents and if you're going to start as an American and as a Christian, then these are the documents that you should know, like from mm-hmm. your youth, and be able to talk about, you know, into your adulthood, right? Uh, but the toxic American, the one that I'm talking about, is like the Bud Light swilling, you know, the plastic like, patriotism, whiskey plastic drinking. Past, past, I'm going to ask you to define that in a minute. Patriotism for real was George. was was perfect the way that you said it was absolutely perfect because he's the dude that wears you know the ranger panties american flag the you know the captain america you know tank top and and then he goes overseas like you said and stands in somebody else's kitchen Mm -hmm. and he's like hell yeah it doesn't stand up to the white house like like the white house isn't like two thousand years younger you know what I mean? And it's like, yeah. you know, that that's what that's the way that people see us. And because because of mm-hmm. that, when the they youngster. come here, 
right? Yeah, we are relatively new on the world stage. We we are the, we are the oldest constitutional republic. We are the richy rich of the world. Mm-hmm. If you guys ever remember that movie from the nineteen nineties, yeah, yeah. yeah, you know, and it's like like we are super young, but so stupid wealthy mm-hmm. that we we don't even have to understand why we believe what we believe anymore it's all fallen away to nothing but hedonism it's is it, all is it fallen away to nothing patriotism? the money plastic patriotism dude i want you to define that george i will try i'm gonna start it with a cop-out in okay. that just as when congress was trying to find a definition for porn the famous line i don't know what great it start. is great yeah. start <laughs> No, but you remember the famous line. Everyone knows the yeah. line. I don't know. I cannot define it, but you know it when you see it. Yeah. Um, okay. Okay. And I I think that it's a similar mentality with that is like you said, you know, you, when you see the guy wearing the American flag cut off in shorts mm-hmm. um, and then you talk to him and all they can do is just chug a Bud Light. And you say, oh, well, no, no, what, 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 what's the greatest thing about America? Like, what are you proud about being American? They're like back-to-back World War champs. And you're like, yeah. No, but what about, World, like, what about, what about free speech? Like, what does that mean? Yeah. You yeah, know, that's a spicy um, topic. Yeah. And I think, I think though, with that mentality is like, there's a, there's just a lot of people who, and I'm, I, we've all been guilty of this in, in one way or another, but like, it's human nature to ride on the coattails of people who have done more than you. Mm-hmm. Stand and, on the shoulders of giants. Yeah, and I are. think that's really where we've come to at a point, though, where rather than stand on the shoulders of giants and then try to build up, mm-hmm. it's just like I'm happy here. I'm. I don't need oh, yeah. anything more. Like instead of this mentality of like it's complacency kills. How many times mm-hmm. have we heard that? We've all been in the military. We know that saying. Yeah. Yes. And so I think it's really that mentality of like. Life's good. I don't want to do anything more. Exactly. And it's there's no drive. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I my velvet, mentality is velvet handcuffs. Yeah. I mean my mentality has really changed since I've got a son now who's five months old. Mm-hmm. And like my mentality has changed um a lot in the sense of like it hasn't, it hasn't. Um mm-hmm. but like there's different men like I've always wanted to strive for a better future for our country. Um, but now it's a more personal take where I'm like, well, mm-hmm. I'm invested. I want like, you know, I, th- I think about it, which is an interesting kind of mentality is like, we all know that phrase, like, okay, boomer. Okay. And like, and I- I'll explain where I'm going in a second, but like, how did that phrase like originate and that disdain against the boomer generation? And it's because we look back at that generation that was handed everything. Like we were talking about with the sixties. They were handed everything, and they didn't build upon it. Mm-mm. And I don't want my kids or my grandkids to look back at me and go, oh, you guys could have done something, and now we're up shit's creek even more because well, you guys sat around. If I could expand on that, too, I saw an excellent um, thing online the other day, and again, I'll, I'll probably paraphrase. It was about the OK Boomer thing. And there's this like boomer boomer generation suggestion going on about the retort for when somebody says okay boomer is okay renter, and to laugh at them because you'll never be able to afford a house on your own, 
as if your bullshit decisions over the past like, decades has created the housing market and economy that we have right now. And again, I'm going to quote Blink-182 Blink again for like the fourth or fifth time in this podcast. If we're fucked up, you're to blame. And that's a fact. You know, you, you no, have to it, understand. It, it, <laughs> there's a uh, there was another there's a guy I follow. I'm blanking on his name on Instagram. Um, I love you, Brandon. <laughs> but he uh, he he sh- he uh, just takes apart these financial advice videos. Mm-hmm. And there was one where it was this guy. It was this like fifty or sixty year old guy, and he was like, "If you own thirty, uh, if you own thirty rental properties or ten rental properties by the time mm-hmm. you're thirty, you're set for life." And the guy's sitting there, and he pauses, and he goes, "Oh yeah, like like I can do that. Like what do you Let me what just do, they do think? that real quick." Yeah, and he's hold on, hold on, just stop being poor. Like, you know? and he, yeah, and he literally on, goes, just, he goes like, missing, he, you guys are missing, you guys are missing something else about that. Do you guys remember in 2020 when all of a sudden the Biden administration said that people don't have to pay rent anymore because of COVID? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. What do you mean own rental properties? What does that mean in the United States anymore? Because they've already proven if we have a crisis big enough, they can just turn off rental Dude, properties. you know what's even crazier about that is the agency that they assigned to enforce that was the, the Center for Disease Control. As if what fucking oh, authority really? do they have? Yes, that's what they were like. We're saying that this was falling under that the, the CDC was saying, well, because of the yeah. pandemic, free for all. And do you remember? Landlords. Do you remember the agency that they that they had to enforce the mask mandates on everybody and the vaccine mandates? What? It was OSHA. Mm. Oh, it Freaking was. That's right. OSHA. Yeah. What authority do they have? That's right. Zero. They're, they're all appointed appointed and bureaucrats. Then after after the president, and I have to be very I have to be very careful. After my boss's 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 boss. <laughs> signed that executive order he even stated to the press i don't have the constitutional authority to do this but by the time the court gets around to doing it or you know uh, mm-hmm. legislating on it that's kind of what all those executive orders are in the first place that you know what i mean like as if we don't have checks and balances but it's supposed yeah. to i've got a spicy hey, take for you too on, on the nice on this stuff. conversation is do you guys think everybody the second you become of age should have the right to vote or would you throw well, certain certain requirements on top of that to be able to vote what is the right of age that once you taking? become eight once you're 18 you can go vote as long as you register you I have do to be not, like guys at the selective service all that stuff okay i do not i do not believe that 18 year olds should have the right to vote and i'll tell you okay. why okay yeah, no, I want you to expand on that because I do – I also okay. think that there should be some stipulations, I, but go ahead. I don't I, I, I don't think so because how old do you have to be to buy a weapon? So uh, I was – It probably changes by state, right? It does change by state. Yeah, it changes by state. But, but if we take the average across the United States, how old do you have to be to buy a handgun? 25? Basically, I really don't know the answer to the question. 21. 20, 21, 21 okay. in most states and some states yeah, okay. 25. So if you're not old enough to, to buy a handgun, also how old do you have to be to buy a beer? 21 21 so you're so, gonna tell me you're gonna tell me that you can you can join the service go overseas die, die for your country but you can't drink a After beer having an oduls yet yet <laughs> yet we're going to allow those kids that aren't allowed to drink aren't allowed to get a tattoo mm-hmm. aren't allowed to buy a handgun but but we want them to vote mm-hmm. hold on what are we saying and what is the standard that we're holding right now definitely so, a lot of illogical yeah. things 
I think that either we have one standard across the board. This is this is my take, and and I'll jump off. Either yeah. we have one standard across the board, and it's eighteen. And mm-hmm. once you're an eighteen, you're you're an adult, and you can do anything you want. Or we raise the standard to the same place, and it's twenty one. But mm-hmm. we need to have one standard. That's what I believe. I would take it further yeah. than that. But go ahead, George. I was going to say I agree. I think that the standard needs to be uniform. Mm-hmm. Um, and you brought up the the fi- uh, purchasing a firearm aspect of it, and this is one aspect when it comes to firearm laws that really grinds my gears. Is how old are you to get married? Eighteen. Mm-hmm. Uh, what? What? There's one state where you can be sixteen, and I can't. Okay, sixteen. Sixteen is the lowest age of consent. Is different in other <laughs> but, countries too. You know, right? But yeah. eighteen, more or less, is you can get married and you can start a family. Mm-hmm. Yep. Now, when you start a family, we're all married. We all have kids, right? I yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, the what's one of the number one priorities? Like the number one priority of being a spouse. Mm-hmm. is to provide for your family for sure and in under that under that umbrella of providing is protection mm-hmm. so if you're old enough to start a family excellent. provide and perfect protect that family excellent then it is absurd to me that you are denied the means to protect your family you better have and knives. So, like, for Stuck me, like... every wall, dude. <laughs> yeah. Like, for me, it's a simple, like, the firearm debate is like, okay, you want to raise the age to 21? Cool. Raise the marriage age to 21. It's as that simple is, as that for me. That is a like, really good point. If you're allowed to provide point. and protect for the people you have literally signed a government contract saying that your duty is to provide and protect for them... Mm-hmm then you should be allowed to buy whatever firearm you want to fulfill that goal. I think that also goes back to the, what the legal definition of marriage is, which has just become super convoluted. And I don't yeah, want true. to dive into, but no. there is that yeah. argument too. Is like, does marriage actually mean anything anymore? Yeah. You know? but what but stipulations anyway. would you put on the requirement to be able to vote though? If you could, I, wouldn't, any. I, I wouldn't because it's a slippery slope. Okay. No, no, I disagree. I would actually disagree with Debate you. Debate it out. I want to hear this. I have stipulations as well. Okay. I think that people should be able to pass a simple U.S. civics test. You become 18. You graduate high school. Uh, we, it should be the same test you have to take to become naturalized. A naturalized citizen, which is the that's where I was going, Brandon. And you guys talked about how hard it is to become a naturalized citizen. Mm-hmm. I think that people that come from other countries that have to learn English, but they mm-hmm. do the hard thing, and then they pass a U.S. civics test, and they get mm-hmm. their they get their U.S. naturalized citizenship. They know more about U.S. civics than. Oh, yeah. Students graduating from high schools in Chicago, Illinois. And that one I'm Anywhere. firing straight at you because we all know that Chicago, Fix Illinois it, has some of the worst. No, but they do have. Oh, there's some a reason why I'm not sending school. my kids. There's a reason why we're going to homeschool. Right. And I, I have four boys and we homeschool all of them. You yeah, know, I was homeschooled myself. Hey, I was too. And look, look where we ended up. We turned right? out all right. <laughs> I what? think so. Well, it's we debatable. were in the army. Yeah. He wound yeah. up in the Air Force, but okay, you know. True. I went to but, Dodd School, so. Okay, but I, I do think, I, I do believe that if you're going to vote, like, hey, uh, you turn 18, like, you have to do selective service, especially mm-hmm. as men. Uh, women don't have to do this, guys, but whatever. Well, you, t- well. you turn 18, you you 
you know, sign up for your first ever ballot, there should be a test that shows up and goes, okay, before you do this, just like taking the SATs, just like taking the ACTs, you have to go to this place, sign up, take this standardized test. Here's a U.S. civics test. You know, how old does a president have to be before he can run for the presidency? How many terms, you know, can a congressman serve? Should be a requirement to graduate high school. You know, oh, like, if, should, we're going, if we're going on this, though, be. there's something I want to add be, But there should be a U.S. civics test, and then if you can pass that, should be then, graduate then, high you, school. then you've earned your right to vote. But if mm-hmm. you don't pass it, then I'm sorry, you don't know enough about... Yeah. But the problem is there's one, there's one party, actually the Uniparty, actually both parties, they don't want people to be high enough context to actually care enough or know enough about how the sausage is made to actually vote was well, rockefeller said government. he wants he he wants a nation he said when he was talking about public schools he said i want a nation of workers not thinkers mm-hmm. yeah man you that, know, it, that goes off into an entire other but, debate entirely Dude. but i got i got i got one i have one question because you brought up the president's age and all that stuff back, and it's back on how and it's how much what at what age or what requirements are mm-hmm. for people to vote mm-hmm what are there should there be requirements for individuals to run for office because I, so, you know should there be an should is because age comes up up a lot i no, personally I, think I, it should be 35 to 65 you're no, collecting social security i you think run for office so absolutely like, there should you talked about it earlier with thomas aquinas Brandon talked about it earlier with uh you know people within the first uh, or first two generation generations coming in the United States, mm-hmm. like yeah, there absolutely should be requirements for people to serve in office. Um, I'm going to harken back to a video. This is by um, not Rashida Tlaib, but uh, Ilhan Omar uh, is had this a video. A Somalia that, thing. Yeah, oh, yeah. Went, yeah. Went viral oh, two that. weeks ago, where she is speaking in Somali about how she is fighting for the people of Somalia and will be able to. I'm going to paraphrase her, you know, so the internet can't get mad at me. But basically, said, you know, <laughs> like I fight for the people of Somalia, and we can make the United States government uh, bend their will to the people of Somalia. Like that, in my mind, when you say I'm in the United States Congress, but I'm fighting for the people of Somalia. So that we can bend the United States government to Post do things broken. for the people of Somalia, that ought to be tantamount to treason. Yeah, I mean, in my mind, based on what she said, the rules for treason are very, very narrow for a reason. It would not fall you under know? the rules for treason. But... I said I, I think they should be. <laughs> ah, okay, okay. <laughs> I said I think they should well, be. Touche. Yeah, yeah, you're, on, you're on that note, too, um, I don't know if you guys saw it in Chicago, but. Huge news. The war has stopped, or at least it should have stopped. Oh, your Gaza and Israel. (laughs) I did see, yeah. Our city council, our city, the city council of Chicago voted for a ceasefire. Is this the clapping? The war is over. The war is over. It's done. I'm like, Brandon, 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 we'll do the slow clap. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I heard about that. I'm like, the hours that they put in to make this happen. When they could have been putting in time to deal with the actual violence in Chicago. Yeah, can I can I say a thing to the city council of Chicago? Yeah, by all means. Please. Y'all should do something about a ceasefire in Chicago. Yeah. Yeah. I was just going to say, dude, turn on a police scanner in Chicago for an hour and listen to yeah. it. You can get oh. apps on your phone to do that. Do it. I follow a couple of it's them. It's nuts. It's nuts. It's insane. Actually, mm-hmm. so 
George, I didn't tell you this when we started, but I'm from Wisconsin. Oh, are you? Okay. Yeah, so go go Packers, the Bears. Sorry. Fair. I'm not sorry. a football oh. fan. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm a Cubs fan. That's it. But, but my, uh, my my father-in-law, God bless, God bless him if he ever says this. That's sad, Brandon. My father-in-law, God bless him if he ever sees this. He, uh, <laughs> he will turn on his police scanner in the evenings and go out in his garage and like, smoke a cigarette. Mm-hmm. And he has two he has two settings. One is Milwaukee and the other one's Chicago. And he'll flip back and forth and see. He's which like, I'm one so glad there. I live here. <laughs> right. Well Well Well, you I know the mean, funny I feel like the, Chicago's the fu- gotta be worse. Yeah, I mean, you know, the funny thing with Chicago too is You would like, think so. Milwaukee's getting bad. Oh, is it? It's yeah. Really? Uh, there, I, I saw I saw a report the other day uh, that said Milwaukee County, which is like the center, has been again. So Chicago, you guys got flooded with immigrants like way first. As soon as Chicago started bleeding off people and closing off schools and doing all that stuff that they were doing, Milwaukee was the next targeted city. Mm. So they've li- they've literally been doing a fan and just targeting cities as they've been working their way west. Milwaukee was was next, and so now. Milwaukee just got hit uh, last week. I saw, uh, I think five five thousand immigrants all of a sudden showed up in Milwaukee County. Hey, that's only one day through the border. It's no big deal. That's it, man. No Chill big out. deal. Uh, <laughs> but here's the thing: Whitewater, which you guys don't know a lot about Wisconsin, so Whitewater is part of the UW system. It's a little tiny town. I think it's got like two thousand people in it, and then a subsidiary of the UW system. They had fifteen hundred immigrants show up there. Whitewater doesn't have like it's a small town. It's it's a town of two thousand people. Well, isn't the largest that, population exactly of Muslims right. in the United States in Michigan? Uh, Dearborn, yeah, yeah. Dearborn, yeah. Michigan. That's crazy. Yeah, it's just a that's just a weird stat, you know. Well, it's, it's I don't fun. know why they I don't know why they settle there. I don't. Yeah, it doesn't it's, make like, it's a weird place. Like, who the fuck wants to live in Michigan? It's so cold, you know. Yeah, <laughs> just saying. Dude. I used to live on the Shawamigan Bay in Wisconsin, bro. I know what cold is like. I was stationed in Montana for eight years. I know. Yeah. I'm just saying, dude. I, hell no, man. I don't want to live where like the the wind hurts my face. Get the fuck out of here. Oh, okay. You don't even live in exactly you don't even live in just... a foreign country. <laughs> well, I, you're, I will. The, the, <laughs> what you just said about the wind in your face it reminded me of one of the funniest memes I've seen because I have a couple of friends who grew up in Chicago, close friends. They've moved down to South Carolina, I would Texas, hope so. stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And they're always bugging me. They're like, you got to move out of Chicago. It sucks for every reason. Mm-hmm. And I saw a meme that just reminded me of it. And it goes, why would you live in a place where the wind hurts your face? And then the next three pictures were a picture of a giant wolf spider, mm-hmm. a giant like Python and, a, and an alligator. And it was like, because these don't live here. And I was like, yeah, that's pretty much why. That's, that's fair. True. <laughs> Yeah, my wife, my wife would agree with you, George. I do have to. I I got to get to know you just a little bit more as we're winding down. So you're an army veteran. How, like how how long did you serve in the army? So I did a three year contract. I was an eleven okay. Charlie. Um, oh no, an eleven Chuck. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was one of those guys. Um, All right. All and right. I was down at uh, Fort Campbell with the hundred and first. But you said you went to Syria. When were you in Syria? We were there from January of 19 to, like, October. Yeah, October of 19. Brother, we probably shook hands. Oh, were you there, too, at the same time? Yep, flying in and out of Erbil. Oh, shit. We probably did. Damn. That's that's incredible. Yeah, we were were around, um, like, we flew into uh, KLZ, 
Yep. Um, I know and then we at, were yeah. we were going around like all Mambage in that area. Yep, man. Yeah. Do you ever uh, make your way up? I I can't. I, I think we're talking about an old gas station. Um. Oh, I was going to say the um the other uh infrastructure. We should have like uh, a brothel or something. Yeah. No. No. The the uh the big fuel tanks. Oh no! Well, are you talking about the um uh cement factory? Yeah. 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 Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Dude, you. Oh were... damn! We were like there. We were like there at the same time. I might have taught you medicine. This we is just cute. Didn't know each... We might. We didn't know. You each very other. well might have. <laughs> like, like the fact that we yeah, have, we were like in the exact same spots. Yeah, <laughs> chances are we definitely like passed each other at the very well, least. It's cool. <laughs> it's cool. It's cool to see you again, man. That's funny. Damn, that small world. Funny. All right, Air Force. What do you got? Come on. No, I was just gonna say. I was gonna. I was gonna take it back to the voting thing. So I, I absolutely do think. Uh, I think that. Um, what I said before is true. The, the the more egalitarian a society becomes, the the more it starts to erode. Um, and I'm not just talking about like basic things like yes, women should have the right to vote. I do think I do think that I do you know all this stuff that that makes our society more egalitarian. I don't think things like that should go away. But I do think that voting requires competence, and not every country obviously has given the right to all of its citizens to vote. And there's been a lot of countries that have, you know, a lot of really more fucked up things that they've done to hold people back from voting. It's the things that really do kind of make some sense in going back into the vein of competence, right? I think it's pretty evident that everybody voting, we're not a democracy, okay? You know, we do have the Electoral College, we are a republic, but there should be lines or, or at least things you have to meet to be able to make decisions that affect other people's lives, and I don't think it's unfair to say that you should have to prove a certain level of competence. I would not go to George and ask him to do open heart surgery on me because he has not proven that he has the competence and the knowledge to perform that task. Okay. And voting while not open heart surgery, it does affect everybody in our country's lives. Right. Yeah. If again, we'll, here we'll tie it into the, the question that you wanted to bring up earlier, Chris, we we're talking about. If you're letting Taylor Swift affect the way you're going to vote, maybe you shouldn't fucking be voting in the first place, okay? So a civics test, I think you should have to take. The same one that that people want to become citizens of the United States have to take to graduate high school. I don't think 18. I think 18 is too young to be making decisions and voting for other people. Because more than likely, uh, like what you said, George, that you don't have a family yet. I mean, there are 18-year-olds that do, okay? But how reliable and dependable are you at 18? I remember right. not being ready for the world at all. Science says your brain isn't even fully developed at 18 years old, even though that's the age like, of, uh, of being consent. Uh, consent 25, adult, 20, right, 25, 25 years, right? Yeah. Right. So to me, there's a lot of other things that get weird into this, right? Because if your brain's not fully developed, should you be able to join the military at 18? Right. I would argue yes. And so there's all these nuanced complexities and things like that too, right? But voting-wise – I would 100% say you have to. You, they should raise the age to potentially something like 21 or 25. The civics test. I also think you should have a fucking job first and foremost. You should not be leeching off society. The basic requirement for voting shouldn't be registered for selective service and that, the that ability. Is a, that is an excellent point. Ability to breathe and breathing right to show up. I mean, hell, even people that are dead have voted right. Um, 
We but, know that in Chicago. I think my yeah, dad yeah. voted against me. He passed away yeah. in 2017. What a turd. <laughs> what a turd. But no. Brandon, if I die, don't let me vote Democrat. <laughs> okay. I'll also I'll delete your browser history too. But no, yeah, of course. I mean, it's it's true though. I mean, I, I do. I think there should be a level of confidence, confidence yeah, to fine. be proven for you to be able to vote. And that's that's the point I was going to make. Is that I, I don't think breathing eighteen years old should be the requirement. I just don't. No, I so, I, I I agree with you one hundred percent. And and the the fact of having active employment, I think that is a very good addition to those things because mm-hmm. you know if if. I think that's a fair compromise to what it originally was of being a landowner. I think landowner is gentry. That's that's exactly what I where Mm -hmm. I was going with it. And you, I think like that's the game, man. Like the landowner, especially today's day and age, that's way too like that is that's just not the world we live in. Mm -mm. But I think that that is a it gets back to the roots of what it was meant to be in that sense of like skin in the game. Like, listen, right. It's not that hard to have a job part time, even like it's not a full time. Like, Mm. do you get a W2? Okay. Yeah. Cool. Even if you're 1099, but, and that is, that's the, that's the exact way that you should be able to do it. Hey, if if I I sign up for my ballot, okay, give me your W2 and then you only have to pass the test once. So once you pass the test, Hey, like you're in and then just give me your W2 each year. And if you have a W2, okay, you can vote. That that is a great and by the way for all the people that are mad about turning in IDs your W two's got your social security number on it it's, it's got, got everything mm-hmm. it's got everything in there and you have a job and you can vote I think it's a great compromise yeah so and, and, I, you're, just, and you're showing the, that the, you're the thing is man it goes back to what I, the point I was trying to make before about citizenship you know birthright citizenship is one thing and you can even take it another level right you're born in this country you're an American right but you should have to earn certain rights as a citizen, certain things. I don't think voting is a right, personally. I think that no, if you're going to live, in, yeah, if you're going to live in a society that has rules, you have to, you should meet certain obligations. Society requires obligation in order to be successful. So I think you should be doing something to attain to that because it means something. Citizenship should not just be everything up front because you were born here in this country there are rules there are things that can strip you of your of your rights because you broke the rules right why not have to attain to those things and meet certain obligations before you can make decisions for other people and and use and exercise your rights as a citizen essentially so, turning on those options as a citizen in that in that same what well, like to keep that same train of thought in a sense mm-hmm. one thing i ran into cuz i think that you can be educated and everything, but we talked about this a little bit, like the civility and just kind mm-hmm. of working with individuals. Mm-hmm. One thing I ran into when I ran in Chicago was the lack of civility. Okay. I had a, uh, she was a member of the Democrat. She's a Democrat committee woman. Um, I was out collecting signatures. Mm-hmm. She goes, Hey, who are you? I go, my name's George Kemper. I'm running for state representative. She goes, who are you running against? I go, uh, Margaret Croak. She goes, well, I'm a committee member of the Democrat Party in Chicago. I'm not signing that. I go, okay, absolutely. Have a great day. She goes, mm-hmm. you're a Nazi, aren't you? Never met me. Solid. She goes, she just heard that I was running as a Republican. Jumps right. to that. Those are synonymous. And then, and then she well, picks. And you're, she, and you're, I, I couldn't, and you're white. couldn't help but notice your, yeah. your entire yeah. lack and of melanin. She, That's what I was yeah. going to say. <laughs> she pulls out her phone, takes a picture of me and says, we'll be watching you, and then storms away. Oh, and I ran into similar characters. 
I'm like, oh my God. And I ran into similar characters though when I was knocking mm-hmm. on doors where people will just be so hostile. And my wife and I, someone knocks on the door and they're trying to say like, oh, you know, I'm trying to get on the ballot for this or that. Yeah. Yeah. I'll sign for you. I know this sucks. This is part of the process. I even said to people who were a little hesitant, this was my go-to line. I go, look, if I don't get on the ballot, my opponent will have no one against them. Mm -hmm. And they win by default. Mm -hmm. So at the very least, wouldn't you like someone to vote against? Yeah. And they go, yeah, that's a fair point. I would like to vote against you. I was like, thanks. Thank you. I'm not trying to get your vote, but like, this is how the system works. Mm -hmm. Um, But the lack of civility, I'm curious, like, do you think, what do you think is the solution or at least to start on, get up, get the ball rolling mm-hmm. in, in that regard? Dude, I love that question. And I'll bring it up. I don't remember who we were talking to before about this. Um, but the topic uh, kind of actually what Chris said before about bar conversation, you know, talk about religion and politics at the bar. Right. Mm-hmm. And I made this point with somebody else that, Instead of telling people that those are the two taboo topics you don't talk about, what we should be doing is teaching our kids to have uncomfortable conversations. And that starts with religion and politics, right? If you can teach your children to have respectful, even confrontational, right, conversations, because confrontations don't have to be escalated to the point of ugliness, right? Conversations then you're building a foundation of respect and understanding right away, right? Mm-hmm. I think so. this is centric on home. This is centric on, um, you know, value systems and things like that. But instead of shying away from uncomfortable conversations and teaching people not to have uncomfortable conversations so that when they reach the point where it's an unavoidable thing, they have mm-hmm. the skill, they have the understanding to do that. I think that's a good first step. Um, I also think that it should be um, an introduction back into the school system again on what, you know, American ideals really are, Uh, you know, understanding civics, understanding the way our country works, understanding, too, that you can be a melting pot and not accept all ideas. Okay, not all ideas are, are created the same. Not all ideas are valid and equal, but they are. And I don't have to give you. Um, I don't have to adopt your set of ideals to listen to it. I can process mm-hmm. that information and not adopt it, right? So yeah. I think this all, uh, again, like it, it circles back to what happens in the home. Um, and the first step is teaching people to have uncomfortable conversations, telling your kids that it's okay to do those things and doing so in a, in a respectful way. Um, and again, man, this is said all the time, discipline. Your kids have to be disciplined. I also don't think that uh, kids should have unfettered access to the internet either in this modern age. I think that there's a bad thing there. And dude, even this, like watching certain TV shows, like if you, I don't know, you know, Chris, maybe because George, your, your, your son is, is still really, really young, but yeah. um, I don't know how many kids TV shows you, you've watched Chris, but a lot of them, they have you know, good intentions, right? They'll set it up to where the kids maybe are doing something wrong and it opens up the opportunity for the parent to step in and say, this is why it's wrong. And there's an entire moral lesson at the end of the episode. Children don't understand that. They see the kids doing something wrong and that's kind of the, the behavior they adopt. So I'd also say too, like, you know, limit what your kids watch, what they watch, all this stuff. You know, it's something that like, even like I'm, I'm learning right about like kids in general, what they take in and information wise. So again, man, like not to talk in circles, but it is the truth. Like parent your children 100% yeah. or somebody will absolutely. Yeah. Well, and it may not be like the way I, you want them to be. 
Yeah, I just want to jump in on that too. It's like I th- I think most of us uh, used to believe like if you let your kids watch Nick Jr. or mm-hmm. you know Disney, uh, I think Disney Disney Kids or whatever like the channel was, it was like yeah. we could we could reasonably trust it because do, it you, was, remember, do you remember the kids like, remote? Do you remember the Disney Kids remote? Like there was I do. yeah. I do. Was like, I grew you up know, without cable, and I was watching Arthur, and I was like, hey, "There's nothing." Wrong I, with that. I also, <laughs> I also grew up on Arthur. But did you know that they made Mister Ratburn gay? No, no, I did not know that. Didn't know that. See, you guys, did, you did guys this happened that. like later, or was this, this... happened? In, this happened in 2022. They made oh. Mister Ratburn gay, and he married. Arthur his... was still on in 2022. <laughs> yes, it's actually one of the longest running cartoons uh, on PBS. Okay. So. So, uh, I, and this is actually very poignant that you guys missed this because I have four kids. So I'm going through, I have an uh, 11 year old as of three days ago. He's 11. <laughs> I have a five year old, a three year old, and a five month old. Or, mm-hmm. excuse me, a three month old. Okay. But anyway, so it's like I'm, I'm watching my kids, and, and I used to not think about kids tv i that wasn't a thing mm-hmm. that i thought about it was just it's kids tv yeah. like you yeah. said brandon a problem is introduced parents come in they solve the problem the kids solve the problem and then we all read the word at the end of the show and it's mm-hmm. like okay cool you know sesame street arthur like these yeah. are the shows uh wishbone mm-hmm. oh, you know? I love wishbone wishbone yeah what's the story wishbone right like like those are the those were the shows that we grew up on so mm-hmm. I didn't think a lot about it. And then about, again, five years ago, mm-hmm. all of a sudden, all these sto- all these shows started changing. Mm-hmm. Mr. Ratburn turned gay. Uh, you go back to, well, the Rugrats turned off completely. But uh, Disney, uh, Disney started uh, introducing with, because they bought out Sesame Street, they started introducing binary characters and telling kids like it's okay if you dress like a boy this day and it's Mm -hmm. okay if you dress like a girl this day and like parents were the ones that started highlighting these issues being like hold on i noticed while my toddler was watching sesame street that this this shit started getting really weird right and then politically george you know because this is your wheelhouse like I think Virginia was the first place that we saw it like really like kind of break over because everybody like all the parents were like, what in the hell is going on? we like with our kids yeah. cu- curriculum, you know, but they haven't stopped, you know? So it, it was yeah. like, it, it keeps, it keeps rolling forward. And then Netflix, uh, j- uh, with the, uh, the, the tweenies or whatever started showing like kids, like tweaking. That oh, was it. Well, yes, yes, you know yes. The, uh, you know what? There, there, there are still two good shows out there. My wife and I actually were just talking about this. Of like, okay. once he gets old enough, okay, we're like, because we're not going to do TV where it's like you come home from school, throw on the TV. We're like, we're going to stick right. with what we grew up with: Saturday morning cartoons. Right. Okay. Yeah. And we were thinking, mm-hmm. we we're like, okay, what still shows are good? At, like, what shows are good out there? And we came up with two so far. Okay. One recess. I love recess. recess. Is great, it's on dude. Disney Plus. We, my TJ, wife and I were watch, watching is, it. Like, TJ is T, my hero. My son's TJ's name is TJ. Oh, my God. <laughs> we, not after that. It just worked out. His name's Timothy okay. James. But okay. we, his name's TJ. And we're like, oh, man. And it's such a great show. We went as them, actually. We went as Spinelli and TJ for Halloween uh, last year. Nice. Um, 
And then the second show, the Star Wars nerd in me, I was like, oh, he's watching Clone Wars. He's watching Star Wars. Like, you know, it'll be entertaining and all and good. But it's funny is that like on that, what you're saying is like the fact that my wife and I were talking about shows, like you know, in a few, in a year or a few years, whatever, there's nothing new. It's Mm -hmm. like, we got to go to the old stuff. We got to go to stuff that's been canceled. Not, and not canceled in the sense of like culturally canceled. But like the no, shows were actually canceled, yeah, and they're just off the air. Yeah, just off air shows. Hollywood has not made anything new in about fifteen years. I don't think I've seen anything like relatively like like new. So, hmm. for those of you parents out there, anybody watching this that is a parent, this is the hack that I found. Go onto YouTube, create yourself a YouTube channel, and then you can go out and search this stuff. Go out and find your favorite Disney shows from back in the day, like Recess. Like anything, there there is some random YouTube channel that always posts it. It posts yeah. it at. Yep. Yeah. You can go. Yeah. You can go find it in a playlist, and you can play your kids Rugrats and uh, mm-hmm. Reese. All the all the old and, good stuff. Oh, yeah. real monsters, and dude! All real monsters. Ren, yes. Ren and Stimpy, and yes. Well, maybe not that last one. I don't know. Dude, that one. <laughs> that one is pretty weird, man. Yeah, yeah no. If you want to, if you want the kids to like really start like getting some deep existential Doug. thoughts, have them watch uh, Courage the Cowardly Dog. Dude, Doug. I love dude. Courage. <laughs> Courage. Do you remember? Do, 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 do. do you remember yeah. Bobby? Mm-hmm. Bobby is Bobby's me. Bobby's I don't remember world. that one. There's the one. Bobby. Howie Mandel world. voiced did a bunch of the character voices yeah, for Bobby's that's World way back in the day. Or here's my personal favorite guys: Darkwing Duck. Oh, Darkwing that's a good one. Duck. That was. Yep, that was I saw I saw a funny meme about that actually recently and it was really? it was Disney went through the phase where they said how do we avoid copyright infringement and they said just on throw Batman? a duck bill on, just throw a duck <laughs> bill on it for real though and then it dude. showed all of the different duck themed movies and shows and it was like dude oh Scrooge McDuck you know all of these and they're like oh there's Batman duck there's Scrooge duck like every duck they're like yeah just put a beak on it just put a bell the adventures of Chip and Dale it's freaking literally Tom Selleck and Harrison Ford you know what I mean yeah Yeah. it's it's so funny that's true you remember Animaniacs yeah Animaniacs Pinky and the Brain Pinky and the Brain dude yeah those are the WB shows like yeah that was yeah yeah yeah. that was it man that was that was our Saturday morning I remember that was channel 26 in Chicago like I I would wake up (laughs) 0530 so you and I are like around the same age because I would wake up like 0530 Saturday morning I would run out and I would grab a bowl of cereal yeah like like uh cereal like (laughs) words are I was I was it's the discount Cheerios yeah (laughs) yeah yeah because that's what There's my no mom age. could afford, guys. It, it's fine. And and I would like I would lay on the front of my couch with the bowl Ralston in my hands. Brand. Yeah, dude. And I would be eating it, and it would be uh, it would be Ariel, right? Uh, the Little Mermaid. Cartoon. Oh yeah, that show. That's they, right. They, yeah. they did that. They for did a, a spinoff time. series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then it would Juice. be dark. And then it would be Darkwing Duck, Beetlejuice. <laughs> Uh, and then Aladdin had one, like they did Aladdin and Hercules they shows did, too. They did mm-hmm. an Aladdin one, right? It was it was ABC's number one Saturday morning kids and girls. Yeah, remember that? Oh, oh. Remember that, guys? Wow. <laughs> and then dude. and then as as we worked way, like late into the Saturday morning, uh, we would have you said Beetlejuice. I'm missing mm-hmm. one. There was there was another Disney before it broke into recess. There was one more show. 
One more show, guys. Oh, it was a Disney it's, one? Oh, I can't remember. It's yeah. evading me. And and then when we broke into primetime, because primetime Saturday morning, you kids don't you kids don't even realize this. <laughs> Saturday morning started at 5 30. Oh, you Saturday morning was that. like yeah. it was the marathon every day, every it Saturday. Is. Yep. Nine o'clock it was it was recess, and then it was just uh Zabumafu and it like it just opened up from oh, there. Oh, yeah. You had like Pokemon, Power Rangers, all that oh, stuff. Pokemon, oh man, it just went all day. Like yes. Saturday was for the boys. You kids don't even realize this. It's the OG because... Saturdays are for the boys. <laughs> That's where it came from. I mean, I, I honestly, it's funny as like the Saturdays of the boys. Like that actually was true. Like I remember mm-hmm. being a kid and having like a buddy sleep over, or you know, a couple yeah. buddies hey. sleep over Friday night. Friday night, yeah. And then we'd be like, all right, we're waking up early in the morning and zero, we're just watching. Zero five yeah. thirty. Yeah. It's, it's it's when it's when the it's when the, the chances uh, are you probably the... didn't even go to sleep yet either. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Chances are we were just, you know, high on all the sugar we'd eaten that night, and yeah, we're just right. going through. Exactly. Super because Nintendo. You, can, you kids don't even oh. realize this, but the channel used to turn off at zero two, mm-hmm. and it would it would have the national this anthem thing, which was the national anthem, mm-hmm. and then it would go, and we'd just be white static, and then the ghost then would zero- come through the screen. <laughs> yeah. right. You remember? Oh, this reminded she me. Crawl, she would crawl through. These right. these are two shows that they were short lived, but I think you guys are in the eight, like we're all in the same Android, so you guys should mm-hmm. remember them. Do you remember Beast Wars? Oh my yeah. gosh! Yes, Gargoyles. Oh my God. Do you remember Gargoyles? Gargoyles, and then the second one that I I've just recently remembered was Starship Troopers, the the the, the like the animated series. Okay, I never so watched going that. back to. Going back to Beast Wars. Beast Wars was the greatest. It's, yes. It's actually free on Amazon, guys. What? I went back and I... How bad is that Amazon animation? Say, is, animation? It terrible? is it terrible? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's just fucking atrocious. Yeah. I, like a I PowerPoint's heard. better nowadays. Right, yeah. <laughs> Stick figure death theater. Do you guys remember that at all? Yeah. Dude. I, I Early like internet. Beers, and then I was like, Carson, you've got to watch this. And we sat down. But OG here's, Power here's Rangers. No, here's what's really funny. He sat down and he watched it, and he mm-hmm. like got off the couch and went up next to the TV, and was just like, "Dad, is Waspinator gonna beat Cheetanor?" And I was oh. like, <laughs> "I was like, or Cheetor?" I was like, yeah. "Dude, I don't know. You gotta keep watching it, dude." He was like, <gasps> and he's like 11, and it's 2023. I was like, "Dude, it, oh, dude, this shit is you're so giving well, me, dude. you're giving me hope. I can't wait for that now. I'm <laughs> like, all right, a couple <laughs> years in the future, I can't wait." <laughs> It still, slaps, it, it still slaps. It still slaps. Being a dad is a chance to play with your old it. toys and watch all your old TV shows, dude. Yeah, I am. I am extremely excited for that. <laughs> but but here's the here's the thing, guys. When the kids are old enough, you have to eventually give it away. Oh yeah, yeah. It's sad. It's sad because there's this whole thing about uh, dudes that are still buying Legos mm-hmm. and they're like in their 40s and they don't have kids. And it's yeah. like, what are you guys? What are you guys doing with them? Should yeah. they be able to vote? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> What's well, funny is you know I have I, have, I guess I have if they can afford house. Legos. Oh, I was I was looking at the prices of I was at Target the other day. I was looking and I I grew up as a kid. Might I, left, I left Lego price. like we all do. Um, I was looking at the prices of some of those sets. It's an, it's insane. It is. And it's I remember so bad. my dad told me to go fucking pound sand oh. if I wanted Legos. Well, and I remember my mom at my mom's house. 
it's she still has in her garage a massive tub of all the like bricks. Mm-hmm. And I was like, all right, my son's not. We're not buying new sets. I'm just gonna one Christmas just give him a giant like you don't laundry yeah. container of bricks and be like, have a blast. Yeah. So Mrs. Mrs. CFC over here, she tells the boys because they're like, I was not a Lego kid. You mm-hmm. guys Speaking were Lego. Of Lego. I got a brick in there. Oh, <laughs> dude, that's cool. Congratulations. I was I was not a Lego kid growing up. I was I was like other I was other stuff. Yeah. Like I'm oh. not like you guys. I'm I'm a dumb people mechanic. I wasn't like you guys <laughs> that have engineering knowledge. I, like I did other things. But in, anyway, yeah, you're you're smart, Brandon. You joined the Air Force. Yeah, you're an Air Force guy. Come on. Oh, okay. <laughs> like I did I didn't. I was still but an anyway, AP. like <laughs> You wanted to be Army, didn't you? No, he wanted to be yeah. SF. That's <laughs> true. Yeah. But anyway, uh, my my wife Hannah. Yeah, they, yeah. She tells the boys every night. She's like, "If your bricks are out, I'm eating them with my vacuum." And like every night, they're like, "Oh," and they're trying to like find them all. Every night, the vacuum finds them. And oh. she's like, "We we've told them like if they get vacuumed up." Trash. And there, there was there was one Christmas, two Christmases ago. This is a funny story, where we we bought uh, my oldest son. We bought him one of those like uh, Triceratops Lego pieces. So we had Christmas breakfast, opened all the presents, and then here was Dad. And I was like, okay, I gotta put together. I was not a Lego kid. You guys are Lego kids. I was not. And so I'm literally flipping through this daggone book, and I'm like, <laughs> I'm building this. Freaking triceratops, and Dude, it's like it's like three. You begin feet to understand why IKEA is the way they are too, though. Like, yeah, and so I'm building. Same... I'm building this. It's like I'm, a I'm for adult. Ready, I'm getting ready to start swearing, like thinking about this memory. So I build this daggone triceratops. It's like three feet tall with a tail, and I get it. To, I get it like right to the end, and I got like three pieces to put on it. And then the baby wakes up, and the baby comes in to the room where we're at me and Carson are there and the baby climbs up on the chair next to me and he and he reaches across with his hand and I'm like literally like I'm looking this way for just a second and he goes shuffle and the triceratops hits the floor and shatters into a million pieces because oh no because I I was gonna do the thing where my uncle told me because my uncle was a lego kid and he was like hey when you get the legos paint the outside with super glue right okay that's the thing you're supposed to do. And I literally looked over here for a second, and here comes my three-year-old, and he goes, shatter. And I was Sick. like, that, oh. was, that was six hours of Do work. it again. Do and it I again. literally, I literally stood up from the, I stood up from the table, I looked at my wife, and I said, I'm going to pour a whiskey. I, <laughs> I, I didn't come, I didn't come back. I was like, that's it. That's all you get from me. I, uh. I built that thing for six hours. <laughs> And that's that's the, that's the first and the last time that I was a Lego person. Wow, dude, your kid just literally said "fuck you." Yeah, man, it's it's like, but kids kids will do that. Here's oh yeah, no, for sure. Like for and for you, George, you, you have a five month old son, right? Yeah, you are going to have the best times of your life, starting about twenty four months from now. So, I can't wait. So, well, and so, it's funny is I heard I recently heard a really interesting take on it, um, and I'm sure you guys probably have too. But I, heard, I saw it; it was like a reel on Instagram, um, and it was when. And this is actually reminds me of a 
thing I wanted to bring up. Um, but it was whenever you're frustrated with your kid, mm. imagine you're 90 years old, you can go back in time, but the only time you can go back to is that is this exact moment when you're mad at your kids. Yeah, I've heard that before too. I like that. I try oh, to I and I was like, mm-hmm. and I just try to remember that you're not going to have this again. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, that is a good take. But what that reminded me of, um, like we've been loosely talking about like morals and stuff like mm-hmm. that with the country. And I'm sorry to go back to a more serious. No, don't be, don't be. No, yeah. you're good. Um, but I realized this, and I was talking to a buddy, and he was like, oh, did you see this reel? And he was like, oh, you know, on my reels when you go to the page, you know, mm-hmm. the search page. He was like, oh, you know, you see some random shit, like all this stuff. And it made me think that as annoying as that is, that it like knows who you are. I hate mm-hmm. the fact that this algorithm knows who I am, so to speak. Mm-hmm. But it did make me take an account and say, hey, what type of person am I? And what do I enjoy looking at? Mm-hmm. And so if you're the person who, when you go to your search page on Instagram... And it's littered with whatever. Mm-hmm. Say it's littered with stupid jokes, like, you mm-hmm. know, just r- sophomoric humor, or it's littered with half naked girls dancing, like mm-hmm. OnlyFans stuff. Mm-hmm. That's a reflection of who you are mm-hmm. because that algorithm smart enough to know what your interests are. Yeah. And that's what catches your attention. And it caught me where I was like, you know what? I'm going to be more self-aware about what, I scroll and what pages I follow and stuff mm-hmm. because that is a reflection of who I am. Yeah. Which then, and we talked about this on the phone the other yeah. day, um, which, and I apologize for going long on this, but then don't it, be, it, it goes into an aspect of, I don't have a time. This, it. <laughs> it goes on this aspect of uh, this reflection, especially since I've had a kid, but for, I've always had this thought of if I ever, and I do this probably like twice a year, and it's twice a year, I ask myself, if I could meet 13, 14, 15, 16-year-old mm. me, what would his impression of me be? And I know he would look at me and be like, ah, oh, whatever, blow me off. But the in the like reality of it is that if he would have met me and looked at me now and go, you know what? That guy's a pretty solid dude. I want to be like him when I grow up then I think that I'm living my life decent enough. Mm-hmm. But if 15, 16 year old me would have met me and said, that guy's a schmuck. I don't want to be anything like him. Then I need to reevaluate who I am. And so that kind of keeps me on track on life of both within, you know, in, in a marriage, in a career, and then morally. And as a friend, it kind of keeps me in, in check and saying like, who really am I? Am I the person that I wanted to be when I was growing up? Am I now the person that I want my son to be? So that was just uh, doing it for the to, little dude. Yeah. No, I love that, man. I think that's just like a. Anytime I've had conversations like this, right? This is just like an observation. I feel like men have that conversation with themselves about who you were as a kid. Would that little kid be proud of you? more than women for some reason. And if there's women out there listening, our demographic suggests otherwise when I look at the analytics, but please let me know. Like if, if you guys do think that way, you know, would eight year old, you know, me be proud, you know, eight year old little girl, me be proud or whatever, you know, and I think that's really interesting. And I wonder, you know, I wonder like why that is that men reflect that way introspectively and see themselves as a little kid. Like, do you think it's because, you know, as, as men are, are, you know, 
general experience is that as kids, we get quickly shoved into a box of certain things we're allowed allowed to be, or like, what do you think that is? I'm going to tie it all the way back to what we said at the very beginning and the question that you maybe answer when we open the podcast, and that mm-hmm. is, what is it for a man to be alive and mm-hmm. that's, that we're eternal and that... I Well, okay, so maybe there's a certain amount of society that shoves it on us as men mm-hmm. because we are we are expected to protect, provide, and preside over our families. So we have the weight of the world upon us. But no, man, I, I think it's that as human beings, there's a part of us that's eternal. And so we want something of us to be remembered we want something mm-hmm. of us to echo into eternity like god made us there's a quote and i i just remembered this kind of like with this what we're talking about of like what it does it mean what does it mean to be a man what does it mean to be a good person and something mm-hmm. someone that you're those after you look up to um and you know and i and while i am i'm catholic born and raised catholic um I do think that there is there are other religions out there and other cultures that there's merit to it. And when I look mm-hmm. at like you look at ancient cultures, a lot of it was praying to their ancestors mm-hmm. for strength, for guidance. Mm-hmm. And I think that there is some aspect to that. And so it's like you want to be that person that your ancestors or, well, or your when you're an ancestor, when they look back and they say, I want to exemplify this and like this individual. Mm-hmm. And there was a quote I came across. I was, uh, it was, I was reading um, this book called "A, a Hill Worth that Dying That is a on. great book, brother. That is, is. a great, yeah. Book. And there was a quote in it that I came across, and I love this. And it's from Teddy Roosevelt, um, yeah. and it is: "No man is worth his salt who is not ready at all times to risk body, to risk his well-being, to risk his life in a great cause." Mm. I love that. And I was like. I was like, he is one of the he is one of the most underrated presidents. Agreed. Yeah, and I was like, that quote hit me so hard. Where it's like, how many times have you met people who like they're opinionated, but that's it? George, mm-hmm. can I say this to you? Is that absolutely antithetical to the military that we served in? Oh, dude! Can we talk about that for a second? We can. If there, yeah. If there, if there was it like the the non commissioned officer corps, is, so you were enlisted, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm enlisted. You're enlisted, right, Brandon? Mm-hmm. So if our enlisted, uh, you know, uh, betters were able to throw their rank on the table every single time that they saw an injustice and just be like, hey, you know, if this is not the thing, get rid of me. How different would the military be? And then right, for those that. Those yeah. of you out there that were that are in the officer corps, listen to me right now. I know for a fact. I gotta be very careful about what I say because yeah, I'm still yeah. in. <laughs> but I we we know for a fact that there are those of you out there that are not taking your oath seriously. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons that those of us that are enlisted men have a hard time following you is because we know we know for a fact by the way that you act that you are not willing to throw your rank on the table exactly and there are injustices that are perpetrated yep right like if if we could reinstate that to where at every level 
people just looked at the guiding documents. Oh my mm-hmm. God, the U.S. Constitution. <laughs> oh the yeah. UC, the the UCMJ. Just look at it. It's written in black and white. It's already there. And you just said, you know, based on based on these documents, uh, you are not holding yourself accountable. And I don't know if you. Boom. I feel like you guys have this quote in the army, but that that entire that phrase, um, "Do what your stripes can handle." You guys familiar with that one? That is a very thing. Do what your yep. rank can handle. I actually yep. told my uh, junior buddy of mine that just yesterday. Yeah, <laughs> Dude, that's a very real thing. I, I mean, actually and that, did. That can yep. mean so many different things too, right? You say it yes. to an E two, E three. Do what your stripes can handle. But dude, when when you are well, when you're an E nine or an E eight, you're a senior non commissioned officer. If you're not doing what your stripes can handle and what you fucking know your stripes can handle, then you're fucked up, and you are well, now part yeah. of that system. That is. It that comes is. down to we were talking on the phone earlier. Like we were chatting about how like with law enforcement in general. Yes. Um, oh, I love this. You know, I I think that really comes down to like we we're all born and raised at a time when it was you respect you back the blue no matter what. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's my a, that's been a thing that I have had to come. To I've had to grapple with, with that. I mean, I my two years. Oh yeah, my yeah. Uh, my my brother in law is a cop. Um, my one of my closest friends is a Chicago cop, um, and I respect and love them. Um, I mean, they're they're great guys. But as an institution, you got to look at it and go, you know. Mm-hmm. And I know it's like this cliche saying I've heard, but it's like, why back the blue if the blue doesn't back you? Mm-hmm. And well, and mm-hmm. like there's and to a fine line. I had a thing too, Brandon. <laughs> well, I was gonna say the, the meme I shared the other day, and I we talked about this on the phone, George, is that the there's this picture of a truck and it's got these two stickers, and one of them is the Gadsden flag, and the other one is the back the blue thing. It says yeah. these but these things can't coexist. And that's the truth, man. At the same time. And and what it boils down to is I will never be one of these personally, whenever you want these back the blue people, no matter what, because A being completely and totally an ideologue in any way, shape, or form is wrong. You should be nuanced. But the thing is, too, the the people who are executing laws that are unconstitutional or unjust or whatever are, in my opinion, worse and complicit in it as the people who are saying this is what the unjust law is, this is what the unconstitutional law is. And, and I use the reference I gave you on the phone the other day, George. Those people that you know, recently made its way around social media – Wheeling Thomas Jefferson, the statue of Thomas Jefferson, out are yeah. just as fucking bad as the people that said take it down. That was the Virginia State House, wasn't mm-hmm. it? I think so. Which was lit- which was literally the state where he was the governor. He was the governor of that state and then the third president of the United States. And mm-hmm. they took him out of his own state house. Yeah. You know what's a fun that fact? Is, that's a double knife in the back. It is. What is we're not even, we're not even uh, going to remember you in the state of Virginia where you were the governor. Yeah. Fun fact about Thomas Jefferson and John Adams. They both died on the same day yes, of the I same year. And that day – was the 4th of July. That's right. Yes, I did know that. You can't tell me are, divine are... providence didn't play a hand, man. Just saying. Yeah. yeah. No, and you know, That's I a saw great photo yeah. that you brought up. That the yeah. Hill Worth Dying on. Yeah, uh, Hill Worth Dying on. Mm-hmm. I bought the uh, digital, digital copy of it when I first saw it making its way around um, social media. And if you haven't read it, I definitely encourage you to. A lot of the things that we've been talking about, you know, civil the civics in our country and what it means to be an American, that book definitely encapsulates a lot of those things. And and the cool part too is, it's not a long read. So no, I was gonna say it's like 
50, can 60 I, can pages. Can I ask one more question before we end up tonight? Yeah, and then when we end, I actually, there was one more, because um, I brought up one quote in it. There's one thing that I was like reading. Okay, I was reading it today, and I was just like. Just give me one more question before. No, 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 I'll end it. I'll end it on the, when when we're all finished, I was like, there's one point where I was like, oh, this is a great ending. <laughs> okay, we'll let you okay. finish. Okay, uh, George, so assume there's a guy like me in the military that's getting ready to transition out asking for a friend. Mm-hmm. Or or a young person uh, that is trying to get involved into politics uh, mm-hmm. because they want to make a difference. Because mm-hmm. you're a person that rotated out of the military, you made the transition, you ran for state house. Yes. Uh, you're on you're on delayed success, but you you did the thing. If you could talk to them, how does a person get involved in politics? How do how do they do that? Um, there, I think there are a lot of patriots out there that are starting to be interested and in, they're waking up and they're realizing that the sausage isn't made the way they thought it was made. And yeah. Amer- Americans are interested in taking their country back. Turning Talk to into a government about, of the people and for the people. Right. So how do the people get involved in politics? What would you tell them? Um, I would tell them first and foremost, forget any opinion you have about parties. Um, I ran into as my, I differ in opinion with Republicans in Chicago, as much as I do on other topics as Democrats in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not to say don't work. Like I firmly believe you should in a perfect world work with both sides of the aisle. Um, but don't think that one side or the aisle is better than the other. Mm-hmm. We, have, um, we have a bipartisan system. Yeah. So my message in that regard is kind of look at the cards you're played or you're dealt and play those. So if you live in an area where you think you might have a better chance winning as a Democrat, a moderate Democrat, run on that. If you think that Democrats are fed up and there's more Democrats than Republicans, run as a moderate Democrat. So you're speaking to independents right now. I'm speaking to independence. Um, so you're, because, you're talking about moderating both parties right now. Is yes. That, is that, is that, would that be fair? Yeah. Yeah. I would say run, choose one of the parties. Unfortunately, that's what we're stuck with. Um, but I would well, say, I think, I think moderating the, the democratic party is as, uh, it's as important as, yeah. As pushing the Republican party. Right. Because if we yeah. can do both, if we can do both those things at the same time, then we're pushing the, cultural window right would that be exactly yeah so i would say don't get caught up in party look where you have the best shot um and where the on and find what the most people can agree on um and in that same regard avoid certain topics you can Mm. feel one way about one way or another it depends on where you live so like no, for, one thing, okay, so for you, and so like for me, so like for me, one big thing was I was constantly asked, "What is my take on abortion?" Mm. And I, I thought that would be the one. Yeah, and it's a fair question. It's a very hot topic for both sides. Um, yeah. And my honest answer was, I don't believe that abortion is right in most case, in almost all cases. I was like, I don't believe it's right, but I, me getting elected isn't going to change anything about the policy in the state. Mm-hmm. I'm not even focused on that because it's already set in law. And so I would say, look, 
I want to focus on corruption in the state. I want to focus on ta- being overtaxed and I want to focus on violence. So it sounds and so it's like you focus on the things that you can change. So mm-hmm. it sounds to me like what you did, and this is a crazy thing, is you were yourself. Yeah, crazy idea to the, to the voters, well, and you and, and so, you told and you told them <laughs> and you told them the truth, and you treated the voters like adults. Yeah, so crazy instead idea. Of, instead of treating them like like a bunch of like lemmings in different, you know, mm-hmm. aisles. Yeah, no, and, and so that was crazy. The, the funny thing is like, you know, one of my big aspects when I was running was like I truly believe that our country could change overnight if everyone who ran for office saw it as service in the same way as being in the military. That is and, brilliant. And it's like, we all know the phrase, thank you for your service. Thank you for we've your heard service. It, like, we've heard it a million times. But when's the last time anyone has ever like thought about that for a politician? And so it's like, I would love to call up my senator and congressman just to say, hey, thank you for serving us. And that's it. But instead, I'm calling him saying, hey, I think that they should vote the yes or no on this bill. I'm tired of the way he's they've been handling he or she have been handling it. They don't actually serve us because mm-hmm. we don't we laugh at the idea of why would you thank a politician? And so I think like running to ser- actually serve and not seeing it as a career is mm-hmm. the key. It's not a stepping yeah. stone. Mm-hmm. You know, getting to state office so you can get to the state senate, so you can get to Congress, so you can get to the Senate to but get to president. I, I would push back on you is when was the last time a politician was actually uh like not electable, but when was the last time that we were able to like push back on them? When when was the last time they were accountable to us? I think it's the point you're trying to make, George, isn't it? That they should be worthy of being told thank you for their, your service rather than That's being, what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. This yeah. And I, I you know, if I had the answer to that question, I would um <laughs> Radical you know, American government. I yeah, <laughs> I'd, 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 I'd win uh, in a landslide. I'd be president in this election. I know. More um, votes than Joe Biden. Uh, uh, term term <laughs> but, limits for Congress, yes or no? Uh, yes, and added age limits. Dude, if you can be too oh, young, wow. you can be too old. Okay. I think you should be I, 30. I think for, for – um, So are, for, we, are we – are I think 65. Than... I think if you hit 65, you're not allowed to hold office. I agree. So if you're, if you're the age limit where you can collect Social Security, you're you done. should not – You should you finish your term. You can finish your term. I think, I think like if, you're you're like, if you're like 64 or 63 That's and then fair. your term finishes – but if you can collect Social Security, you have no business serving. You are people. now too That's far fair. removed from the youngest people you now represent, in my opinion. Well, not just that, not just that, but you're literally voting for the Social Security net. That's you're in that bracket. Yeah, is it, isn't that fair. isn't that yeah. what's called a like conflict a, a of uh, conflict yeah. of interest yeah. <laughs> at yeah. that point? Yeah. Um, and then and then the second thing I would say, or the next thing I would say with your question of like how they start into it is. Um, and I know this might come off as cliche and like, a, oh, duh. But I think after COVID, it kind of got diminished is get to know your neighbors. Mm-hmm. Like you're not going to win a state rep race or a even a school board race if no one in your area knows you. Yeah. You know, if you're just some recluse and you have these great ideas 
Yeah, but what you about know, you, might, what, you might what about mail in? What about mail in voting? With the with the whole just that's a whole that's a whole different that's a whole that's a whole different conversation. Okay, I'm saying I'm saying I'm just saying on getting involved and someone who okay. wants to start and get involved into local or state politics. Okay. I would say the local you or really state. you okay. need to start with your community. Know knock the people. On, who knock are on doors. Knock on there. doors. You know, if you're if your next door neighbor, like the other day, I'm not. I have no plans on running. Period. Like, mm-hmm. if it happens again and the opportunity provides itself, great. But like, it's not in my it's not in my plans. But like, be a good neighbor. So the uh, a week or two ago, we had a big snowstorm. I have a snowblower. I went up and down our entire block and just snowblowed all of all of the walkways and the sidewalk mm-hmm. because I, I, I mean, had the time I, I mean, and I could do it. Eleven year old do that. Yeah, <laughs> you know, once once TJ's old enough to do it, I'll have him do it. But it's hey, like know? you know, when we moved in to our neighbors left and right, we brought over a greeting gift, a, a, a baked a pie. And we just went over, dude. just shake their hand, say, hey, my, we just moved in. Nice to meet you. It's mom, just about building community. My yeah. mom. Because your, your goal, if you're running and you win, mm-hmm. is to represent that community. So build yeah, yes. within that community, and then you can represent them. Because if you haven't built it, you're not going to know who they are, and you don't deserve to represent them. Agreed. Great. My mom used to make me carry loaves of bread up and down the block. <laughs> and it wasn't even just people that moved in. It was like, oh, Chris, you know, so-and-so up the up the street, they just, uh, they had, like, the funniest one, I'm trying to remember back to when I was, like, 11. They, she said uh, her cousin just lost, like, his middle school football game. Take him a loaf of bread, and I was like, "What? What?" Make him a sandwich, Chris. Make him a sandwich. So I used, I used to do that, like. But you know what's funny, Brandon? It's like we're Midwest boys. Like he understands exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. I like I would be carrying like loaves of bread up and down the street, just like what in the heck, mom? Like, oh yeah. Knock on the door. Hey, (laughs) I'm Miss, you know, Mr. Hambrock's son. Like, oh. And then like the mom would look at me. Why? Like. (laughs) (laughs) well no she would expect me to do the whole thing which is like okay i like i would have to tell why i'm carrying a loaf of bread i can't just like be like here okay okay. i i heard your you looking for for lunch meat yeah you're not an amazon delivery (laughs) yeah Yeah, and i I don't have the mormon tie so it's like (laughs) what are we what are you doing here you know i heard your son lost a middle school football game. Oh, thank, thank you. Tell your, tell your mom we says hi. You know, <laughs> like, and That's then the we would random take it shit ever. Relieve me. Oh, it's so true. Yeah. Oh. dude, tell him, tell him, George. That shit is oh, true. <laughs> there's, there's, it's a different culture. Like, here's, here's another one. If you give somebody a gift in the Midwest, you are culturally bound to tell them how much money you saved on it. You you have you must say this. Yeah, no, I'm George. Fifty percent off the target. Well, yeah, the other yes, yep. yes. <laughs> hey, it was it was twenty five percent off at Fleet Farm. I got a great deal on it. Yeah, yeah. You Don't have, feel bad. You have I got to, it half you have off. To, you must say it. Oh. You have to. It's a thing because oh. otherwise they won't take it oh. because it must be on a discount. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, what's the, yeah. What's another, what's I paid full thing, price George? for this. Well, one, one of my favorite one of my favorite stereotypes about Midwesterners oh. is 
the uh, when you're going when and this happened all the time and I do this I'm so guilty of this when someone's leaving our house okay. I'll walk them out to their car right. and then I will talk I will talk to them while they're sitting in their car car running right. for like 20 minutes yeah. I'm like all right bye oh wait one more thing oh wait bye. Hold on. I do the the same wife thing, says though. she wants to send you with some casserole. And then yeah. you yeah. your car door window. Yeah. Here's here's one. Here's one. The the Midwest four way stop. Nobody's ever going anywhere. Oh no, you go. Oh. See oh, that's no, my pet peeve. No. My mom's no, from go. my mom's from <laughs> my mom is from Boston and Boston drivers are known. Yeah. And she taught me she taught me early it's called the right of way. Mm-hmm. And so it's the person to your right. Okay. And so, like, I get I, that's been just like Manchurian, like candidate drilled uh, into my brain. Like, if I pull up and someone's to the right and they don't move, I start laying on the horn and like waving them on, like I'm like, you know, a street cop. Like, mm-hmm. oh, that one, I that one, I won't agree with you on because, like, I've just been grilled in. Like, no, there are rules to the road. You go. So <laughs> I'm I'm the opposite of you, bro. I moved from Wisconsin out to Washington State. And it took me a while to get used to it. And I'm just like, man, I'm sitting at this four-way stop forever as people just keep zooming by. And I'm like, nobody's oh letting God. me in. <laughs> and, and then finally the guy behind me is honking. That was that was back in 2014. Are, are you the American that here. fucks the roundabout up for everybody too? No. So so I Those was. Those make sense. Okay, Dude. hold on. Hold on, Brandon. That's not fair. So I, I was. I was. I was okay. the guy that pulled up to the roundabout in 2014 and then stopped because I was like, Ugh. do I stop okay, in the roundabout? Like, like, yeah. I like, this, is, this isn't a stop sign. What is this? You I let was, everybody I was, in. You know, your way around, right? You know, I'll, I'll put this out here. Next time, if I ever run again, here's my camp. Here's my here's my number one priority. Hell yeah. All four-way stops are turned into roundabouts. Yes. <laughs> Okay, yes. because I was. I'll run to... on that. Yes, and I'll fix the potholes. And I'll fix the potholes. <laughs> Sold. Fix Sold. that, Pete. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but but eventually in twenty about twenty fifteen, I finally figured it out, and I was like, oh, if I'm just more aggressive, then everybody will stop for me, and then it's just been a like. So my insurance has gone up like crazy. Yeah, <laughs> I figured out the roundabout, and I'm good. Yeah, now. that's good. So, George, I want to ask you one more one more question to at least before here. But we're on the phone. No, I've got. I'm, I'm happy to stay on. I'm, I'm, oh, me too. I'm okay, cool, yeah. cool, cool, cool. I'm gonna hard pivot then because I want all to right. know. You seem like nice. you had a pretty, pretty deep interest in the paranormal when we were on the phone, and I like to get weird on this podcast. Okay, all right. So let's I, let's, I let's go down this route. What like supernatural paranormal vein Ooh. really really gets you going? What is it? There's a couple. Um, So as we talked about earlier, when we said, um, you know, with uh, J.R. Tolkien's Mm -hmm. history turned into myth, myth turned into legend. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of paranormal stuff where it's kind of like, oh, it's all out there. But Mm -hmm. I really like the more like, I'm loosely saying grounded because it's, we're we're talking about conspiracy theories and paranormal. Right. Um, But like, I really love the giants and mm. um, the Bigfoot stuff okay. um, because like you look at some of that stuff and you hear some of the stories and you're like, mm, that, that adds up. Like if you suspend mm-hmm. like a little, you know, you put away, you know, you, you turn off your conspiracy theory, like alarms, right. you're like, 
well, some of that actually checks out. Like that's yeah. not so far fetched. You know, some of them, some of these theories are so far fetched and they're ridiculous, but they're still mm-hmm. fun. Like I like conspiracy theories. Any conspiracy theory, I look at them as like a guilty pleasure. Okay. Like there are really shitty shows on Netflix that I'll watch, and I know mm-hmm. they're of no value, but mm-hmm. they're entertaining. Sure. It's like that's how I see some conspiracy theories. I'm like, I don't buy into it, but God, I love this idea. Right. Monsters uh, and mysteries <laughs> in America is one of my favorites, guys. Yeah. Which one? Monsters and Mysteries in America. Oh yeah, Amazon show. Like oh, I watch I watch it with my eleven year old. It's great. <laughs> um, and then to tie in with the Bigfoot and the giant stuff is like we talked mm-hmm. about this a little bit. I think this one actually scares me. Okay. Um, like genuinely concerned is the cave systems and missing yes. persons reports. Yes, dude. In we the in the national that. parks, mm-hmm. that one that. is like one of those where I'm genuinely like. Mm. Brandon, you know, mm. you know what we're getting ready to do, dude. Yeah, no. So here, here's an interesting thing. Uh, if you guys haven't looked this up before, Zach and I have talked about another episode. But there are these things called the Kelly Hopkinsville Goblins and the Kelly Hopkinsville event. Have you guys ever heard of that? Mm-hmm. George, you have. Okay, Chris, have I you? have only because of you. Okay. Only because of you. Yeah, because of listening so to your I'll, podcast. I'll yeah. recap it real quick, right? So. Essentially, there was a, a family that lived on the same house. This is like, you know, grandparents, you know, a di- couple different generations of people. And one day they reported that they had to basically fight off goblins with guns. They were trying to kidnap people. And the, the police made a report, came out to the house, saw it all, shot up, all this stuff. And, uh, you know, try to get spun that the family was drunk and all this stuff, and they weren't. And there's this whole debacle about it. Yeah, imagine, it. Ima- like, George, imagine, like, J.R.R. Tolkien's, like, goblins orcs. Like, that. that's what they describe. That'd be terrifying. So, like... so the, the <laughs> Kelly Hopkinsville goblins uh, have a very distinct look. And the Japanese, I think this is really interesting, found out about what they look like and actually made a Pokemon after the Kelly Hopkinsville goblins. So if you look up the Pokemon Sableye, it is meant to be a depiction of what the Kelly Hopkinsville goblins are. Okay. Right. Well, so my parents wouldn't let me hang out with Pokemon because they're yeah. like, they're all <laughs> demons. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, dude. Pocket monsters. But um, there's a TV show. Well, it was on YouTube for a while um, called Hellier. And one of the things they talk about and they reference in that show is the Kelly Hopkinsville event, right? And they go and they interview people in Appalachia, essentially, there, where the Mammoth Cave system, essentially, is what runs around there in Kelly Hopkins, uh, Kelly Hopsonville. And one of the things they discovered is, essentially, that people out there, far removed from the rest of society, are taught about not going into the woods because of the cave system and not because of the dangers, but because of what may lure you down there. And if you hear your name being called out, no, you didn't. Or if okay, you so, never whisper so, or whistle in the dark, things like this, but that the, the so, Kelly, so I, I, I like, let me jump in because I was actually like, I say I'm from Wisconsin, but I was mm-hmm. actually born in Cincinnati, Ohio. And I was okay. raised across the river in Northern Kentucky. Mm-hmm. So mammoth cave is like in my back door. Mm-hmm. 100% everything that you're saying is true. Mm-hmm. Like, I was born in 1990, mm-hmm. and my parents told me when I was a kid, don't go into the woods mm-hmm. because weird stuff happens in the woods of Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Like, like it still happens to yeah. today. Yeah. Yeah. So they, they interview like, all just, these people that live up. out there, and essentially that, yeah. you know, if, if you see something 
trying to like call you out, call out to you, and then wandering off into the trees and then waiting for you. Don't yeah, go the other way. You're gonna get. You're gonna disappear. Goblins. And yeah. so, um, part of the lore around the Kelly Hopkinsville event essentially is that um, one of the kids was reporting seeing these, and the kids all knew about it. And um, one of the men in the town tried to get another man who who like lived nearby like a neighbor as close as you can be to go and essentially blow up an old mine that was a, kind of an offshoot of the cave system um to to combat this from happening you know so there was like a real they saw it as a real physical threat right yeah. um but to go back to what we were talking about before we hit record so the the mammoth cave system is enormous it's so yeah, freaking it's- big and there's miles, all these different, miles. yeah, there's all these different cave systems in the national parks. Obviously, there's a hot zone for those disappearances like we talked about. But it also runs along the same line as a bunch Play of lines. other little weird shit that happens in the okay. United States. Um, and there's a book, and we had the guy on here who was the, the, the subject of the book, Chuck Zukowski, called UFO Highway. Um, mm. But there's all these disappearances and sightings along this line, you know? Um, and one of the cool things in that conversation we have with Chuck is I asked him about Skinwalker Ranch and he kind of like shoved it off because he said, there's a thousand Skinwalker Ranches out there. And he's like, that's mm-hmm. just the one that gets that gets yeah, all the notoriety. Right. Yeah. And, um, you know, having been um, stationed in Montana for as long as I was, okay? Sure. Um, there's all, it's big sky country, right? Um, Great Falls, sky, Montana yeah. has a minor league baseball team, and they are called uh, their their mascot is called uh, Orbit. Okay, it's it's everything is centric around around UFOs. And the Malsham incident that happened, I want to say in the the sixties or seventies, can't remember, um, where essentially all of these. I'll, I'll recap it again for for everybody listening. Um, so Montana has a missile field. This is this, and when I say missile field, I mean ICBMs, right? So nuclear weapons. They're all in the ground. Um, it's the biggest missile field, and they have all these things around the missile field, essentially where people are posted and they perform security for those missile silos. Um, and there's a bunch of different communication systems that go up between the, the missile silos, the people that secure them, the people that operate them, all this stuff. Well, the incident that happened is essentially the security forces members that were stationed and posted out at all these sites started reporting all these weird orbs hovering over the LFs, the launch facilities. And then the missileers, who are the ones who turned the key, lost comms with those ICBMs, which is a big fucking deal. Because now, if we need an in-kind response, that can't happen, right? So the initial thought process was, this is the Ruskies, because this is the Cold War era that's going on. But um, eventually, you know, they determined that that it wasn't. They don't know what it was. Um, but it's a very famous incident. It's a very famous um, reference. Yeah, because used. all like just basically all the computers like turned off. Yeah, and right? the credibility of yeah, everybody I, involved I can... essentially is assumed because they're all airmen, right? Yeah. Um, right. But Malmstrom there in Great Falls, Montana, very much adopts that sort of you know it, it, it embraces it, so to speak. Um, mm-hmm. But I was there for eight years, and I'll tell you guys a true story. Um, one night I was posted right. in our weapon weapon storage area. Me and my friend, we were we were both area supervisors, and um, we were doing some moving around. And part of that involves us staying stationary for a, a long portion of time. I know this idea sounds contrarian, but I'm not going to go into a bunch of different weird things. A bunch I, of no, I understand about. what you're saying. Yeah, and um, we're sitting there watching what's going on happen, and all of a sudden, this 
really, really bright orange ball comes like literally just appears in the sky. It comes down really, really, really fast. Like it blinks out and then is, is there. This thing literally follows a Humvee as it travels along the fence line. Okay. The movement ends. Okay. It blinks out, blinks on again, way up in the sky and then literally zips the fuck out of there. And we watch this thing. I don't know for maybe a good 45 seconds as it tracked the Humvee. Okay. The weirdest fucking thing I've ever seen in my life. And I can't even tell you, I spent a lot of my time out there at Malsham on mids. All of us would spend a lot of time out with our MVGs or whatever, just staring naked eye at the sky. Always really weird shit. And the view you have from Malsham is of the Lewis and Clark National Forest, okay? And there's there's a, um, a, a mountain range, as you can see, that's relatively close, like an hour drive outside of, of Great Falls, okay? Um, one night, we climbed up on some conventional storage units, me and, me and my buddies. And um, again, this is, like I said, it's an hour drive away, so consider this mountain range, okay? okay. And uh, we watched these lights moving around on the mountain, which is not that uncommon. There's always, like, search and rescue efforts and stuff like that that go on. It could be a helicopter Well, one of these lights that was moving around, we noticed that we could tell that it was illuminating the side of the mountain. And from what would be an hour's drive away with the naked eye, it looked like this side of the mountain was lit up like daylight. And then, so some close encounters, like 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 the the, the other other side of the mountain, and like light was shining up from it, or like something in the air was shining really, really bright light down on the mountain. If okay. it was a spotlight like from a, spot- a helicopter, okay. like I said, this mountain range is an hour's drive from like where we were. I should not be able to see a spotlight on the mountain like that, right? I got and, you. And I if, got I, you. if I could, it would not be an area as illuminated are, as what it was. You guys aren't looking under nods. You're just looking nope, under – just looking. We literally used to bring like camping chairs and would sit up on top of these old conventional okay. storage units, okay? I'm just asking for the viewers. Like, oh, no, 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 no. I'm just like just painting looking. the picture if you – yeah, yeah, no, painting the picture. Yeah, yeah, painting the picture for you. We're just chilling up there, right? The fucking couple of monsters, right? All right. And um, it blinks out. <laughs> and then on yeah, the couple, other side of, of uh, Yeah, other side of the range, right, from one end to the other, lights up again on the opposite side of the mountain range. And this is a huge distance that it would have had to cover if it was the same thing. So mm-hmm. just seeing some really, really weird stuff out there by virtue of being stationed out in Montana. And this so is long. in Montana, right? Mm-hmm. So I have Oh, it's I funny some, that I got, we, I got some yeah. weird stuff to tell you about in North Carolina, but you yeah. go ahead. Well, it was it's funny you talk about like you're you're talking about this cuz I was actually on the phone earlier today with one of my buddies. He was in uh Ranger Bat for a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, which and which bat? He was in third bat. Yeah. Oh. Um, and I was, he's, he's a friend of mine for so long, uh, before the army and just, uh, and it was, I was chatting with him and the, as, as it does, UFO, uh, Mm -hmm. conversation came up and he had a really, he had a really good point. I'm so glad that I talked to him today. Um, cause he was saying, okay, think about it from a tactical standpoint, right? Mm -hmm. If we went to another planet mm-hmm. and we found out that that the native species on that planet um lived underwater they mm-hmm. were her people yeah well we would immediately go even if we 
yeah, now you have to assume if you have the capabilities to travel, yeah. you know, intergalactically, you can have it's as easy to live on land as it is under on, under the water. Yeah. So for us, it'd be like, oh, well, we could go underwater or we could go on land. It doesn't matter. And he goes, well, wouldn't you build your base on land and set up your outposts on land? Because if the native species can't go there, then they'll never find you. And I was like, yeah, what are you getting at? And he goes, well, think about all these encounters you hear about where like an F-35 is chasing this orb Mm -hmm. or this cylinder shaped object. And all of a sudden it darts under the water. Yep. It comes up from the water and it darts back down. And he was like, I'm not trying to sound like a conspiracy theorist. He was like, I'm just saying what I think would be tactically sound. Yeah. And I was like, oh, yeah, that is actually really fun. That is an interesting point where, like, yeah, if there was life from another planet and it was trying to scope us out, mm-hmm. yeah, it would make sense that they would set up shop in the one place that we still don't have the technology to go to. Yeah, think of being an older kid, maybe playing a game and running from a younger kid. You're going to go up someplace higher where they can't reach you at. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, those those same experiences you're talking about um, with, like, jets and shit like that, some of those Navy pilots and Air Force pilots that talk about it, I wonder, too, how much of that is, like, advanced tech that the U.S. government has, and they're testing it against, you know. And that was what I was going to ask you of, like, with some of the stuff that you saw, how mm-hmm. much do you think is just to play devil's advocate here mm-hmm. um, and to take off the tinfoil hat, so to mm-hmm. speak, how much of that, of the sightings that you see that people, not you, but as people see, do you think is the potential for, Oh shit, it's aliens mm-hmm. versus Oh, we have technology that's way better than they're leading us to believe. I mean, like if you look at the F 22, Mm-hmm. It's a lot older than people think, like specs, like when it was drawn up. Mm-hmm. So it's like if that's in service and that's the best we have right now. Yeah, it's the top fifth gen, fifth gen fighter. Yeah, yeah no, absolutely. And so it's kind of like, all right. I mean, you got to assume that a lot of the spottings are actually just the government, any government. Maybe mm-hmm. it's even you know, maybe it's China, maybe it's Russia. They're testing out their stuff and trying to try stuff out, or it's us testing stuff out. So here's here's so what like, I think. I, I think some of it is is tech that maybe doesn't exist right on on paper for everybody to know, and I think a large portion of it is is people misjudging what they're seeing in the air as well. Um, mm-hmm. But I mean, I think that the, I'll say this. After World War II, there was a serious uptick in activity being reported and recorded, okay? Yeah. And, and, and this is not an original thought. I'm just going to you know paraphrase what a lot of other people, who especially spend all this time, like ufologists, they, they like to, to say, I'm just going to parrot, that yeah. the nuclear weapon essentially is the reason why the uptick in activity has happened, okay? And one of the explanations that somebody analogized the situation is essentially as if um, we were a baby – with a, a matchstick, okay, and we lit the match, right? And that, well, the baby is not responsible enough to hold a lit match, right? Because they could hurt themselves. And that essentially, human beings are that baby with a lit match. And that that is why, if there is some sort of interstellar or intergalactic species out there that's interacting with our planet, and maybe has been for a long time, that that why that's why that uptick in activity happened. And there's also the that that theory, conspiracy theory out there where um, wasn't it Eisenhower I think who basically got told like, hey from like some inter interstellar species right, 
stop fucking around with this shit or we'll end you basically um and was was told like you know that the the nuclear weapon essentially was was too much uh you know we were endangering the the galaxy seriously or See, by how I, I have a like can can I come in with a, yeah. another yeah, yeah. okay so if you go back to the uh the old testament here i i have a thing so the unseen realm um by michael heiser Mm -hmm. that would be the thing that i would tell everybody to look up so this guy has a thing that he uh to author you know what yeah he's the author it's a good documentary to go back uh, go check it out, guys. Okay. From what you guys are talking about, but I, I just I just wanted to inject that. So there you go. I was gonna say the one thing. It sounds great mm-hmm. with the analogy of the baby with the match. Mm-hmm. The one issue that I have with that whole like, oh, we got nukes and now aliens are curious, mm-hmm. is that if you're able to travel and I'm playing devil's advocate again. Yeah, no, absolutely. But if, you're, if you're able to travel across the galaxy, mm-hmm. why are you worried about a big bomb? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know what I mean? Yeah, like, no, that'd be like, like, it's true. like if I was in the backyard and like the squirrels all of a sudden started playing with like M eighties, mm-hmm. I'd be like, well, that's <laughs> concern. I'd be like, that's concerning, but like, I'm not like worried about like I'm not going to go over to them and be like no 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 I'd be like ah well oh well yeah. the the answer and, to like, that and I don't have it, is it like the the one that like is circulates throughout the community that discusses this is that um, a nuclear holocaust essentially would have ramifications outside of the planet and that essentially that I don't know what you want to call it nuclear wave that would leave the planet can cause damage somewhere else essentially. And that if we want to be a part of some sort of like, and this is really woo woo. Okay. So, but intergalactic federation of planets or species or whatever that we have to stop this shit and start doing something else and stop being so destructive. Essentially. If we want Star Trek, we have to be, if you want skin tight suits, (laughs) Okay, and robots and androids, and to just travel the universe and, and intergalactic peace forever, you have to lay down your your weapons. Apparently, as long know. as I'm not a red shirt, I'm okay. Okay, I don't know enough about Star Trek to co-sign on that one, but sure. If anyone, if anyone, I'm not a big star. I'm a Star Wars guy, but I know mm-hmm. enough. If you're a Star Trek, if you're a Star Trek fan, the red shirts are the guys who die in every episode. They're the stormtroopers. Oh, they, Star- okay. they can't hit yeah. anything. It's like if you're, yeah, if you're wearing a red shirt, you're just like expendable crew. You're fucked. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. No, I mean, I think that, um, I don't know. There, there's a lot of really weird, interesting theories out there. People like to tie in, um, you know, the Bible too, and like not even the Bible, like some of these Gnostic texts and things that, that uh, you know, religious scholars like to say don't have, you know, the weight or the validity, like the Book of Enoch. You know, people like to say, well, the Anunnaki are the Nephilim, and, you know, that's why all these things happen, exist. And, you know, that's what, if you look at Zoroastrianism, they have these really crazy theories about like wars in the sky, and like that's just aliens from. 7,000 years ago or whatever battling for humanity, you know, yeah. that would, to me, is like, 
the same question you presented with like why do you care about the bomb like why are you fighting over cavemen you know when you walk by yeah. an anthill if i'm if you and i are walking on the sidewalk and we walk by an anthill are you and i just gonna fucking get into a fight about who gets to kick the anthill over or who gets to squat and look at it no you're gonna walk right by it and not interact with it because you there's no no th- no benefit out of it between for you and i you know what i mean so I mean, we could be the the ashtray of the universe for all I know. You know, I don't know. <laughs> it's, true, it's true though. No, you know, no. At the end of the scene, it, there in what, Men in Black, you know, we're just oh yeah, and the marbles. marbles. Yeah. Well, and I do like like, and I I will say that's why I like the supernatural conspiracy theory theory mm-hmm. stuff of like Bigfoot, mm-hmm. the cave systems. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's all right, it that's. Could... It's a little more tangible. It's a little more tangible. And then Mm -hmm. also like with the cave system and stuff like that, where it's like, there's enough where it's like, hmm, like it's, I'll put it this way. I'm not worried about like going into the woods and a UFO beams me up. I am worried about going into the woods and all of a sudden I start hearing some hooty hoos and that, and I'm looking around like, not today, bro. Like, I'll put it that way. So, like, that's why I, like, I do take, like, I I definitely believe that there's something out there. Like, the universe is way too vast mm-hmm. for there to, for it just to be us. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like, I'm not worried about that because also the history buff in me is like, yeah, if aliens show up and they want to do some damage, yeah. we're screwed. We're fucked. Like, if, you're travel, just, if you can I'm travel just... <laughs> this far, you either really want to impart some amazing knowledge or you just want to kill us. Like that's yeah. to me, like that's the most simple theory, you know, let's Occam's razor this real fast. You're either here to teach it's us one or the other. a better way, or you're here to fucking just turn us into a fucking, you know, a parking lot. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. that's it. Yeah. you know, that's all there is. Like, so what am I going to do? You know, I'm a fucking, I'm one of these cave dudes out I'm, there, like from Sentinel Island shooting a fucking bow and arrow at a Cessna, yeah. you know, like that's, I, I mean, also <laughs> to my like, fucking thong. Like, yeah. it, on that same train of thought is like I think one of the best portrayals of like if there was or if there is a intergalactic federation mm-hmm. I think like we all love Star Wars we all love Star Trek and all like Independence Day and all that mm-hmm. stuff I think the most accurate portrayal is Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy sure like so long like, and thanks for all the fish yeah like realistically if there's some federation out there and they're like eh those monkeys with like fire Oh, we need to build a highway. It's right. in the way. Let's right. just like demolish it. Like, right. I mean, like they don't care. Like, they didn't they respond, wouldn't care about so, us yet. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. they didn't respond. Oh well. Yeah. I'm like that's that's I I I I firmly believe that if aliens are out there and they were to be responsible for the de- demolition of our planet and mm-hmm. killing the human race, it's more likely they'd kill our planet for to build a highway system. Yeah, than it would to be like Independence Day, <laughs> right? Because like the, you would think the idea too of coming here to collect resources, like I just don't that doesn't seem that feasible, you know. But then again, we are assuming that space travel is is like how we would envision space travel. This really really yeah. long process. Because if it, I mean, what if it is something if you could figure that out where it's instantaneous, where the the travel time is is non-existent essentially because like a jump, you, like right. a literal. So just it is like... it is nothing. But at that point, like, do you really need our fossil fuels? Like, I don't know. You know what I mean? Maybe you the do. The only argument that holds up is, like, water. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah, water. You just, yeah, for being a I feel like I, I feel like you want to – do you have something to add here? Because you're, like, Chris I just – like, watching. Chris is, is like, just, 
Chris is just like laughing to himself and bobbing. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm like, all right, he either has something to add or he's just like, I'm over this. Exactly. <laughs> no, no, like, no, it's not, it's not that, guys. It's just like you guys are vibing so hard. I'm like, I don't have anything like, to I can't, add. I can't, I'm like, I can't interject. I on can't. This, dude. Like, you guys are. <laughs> I mean, like, don't get me wrong. Like, there's, I'd re enlist in a heartbeat. If all of a sudden, no, if space, if no, space, no, if space no, force no, was like, we need chop, no, we need no, like, go, we need, no, we need space back, frames. Yeah, dude, stop, yeah. stop, go back. What did you just say? I reenlist. Oh, in a heart. If it, I'll put it this way. If, okay. if space force came out and was like, Hey, okay. We've designed our uniforms and all our equipment on halo ODST and we're oh dropping in. God. Oh my dude. God. You're I'd be like, I'd be like, I'd be like, I'm in, I'm in. Why not? Yeah, I'd be like, I'd be like, absolutely. Yes. Let's feet feet first into hell. Yeah. <laughs> dude, I just like visions of Starcraft popping into my head now, dude. I'd be like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck Space you, Marines. bro. <laughs> like, no questions asked. That's like, our, that's you're our problem, dude. <laughs> no, you oh, gotta, you, you got to be way cooler for me to come back in, dog. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm all for like, like when we're talking about serious stuff, like politics and fixing the country, I'm like very grounded. Yeah. But like, oh, if like, I immediately become like, let's invade every, every planet in the world. If we have the t- every planet in the galaxy, if we have the capabilities to do so. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Orbital shock troopers. Let's fucking go. Like. Dude, so you, you talked about getting disappeared in the woods. Have you ever heard of um, or seen the movie uh, Fire in the Sky? Are you going three hours? Do this have, you, have you seen Fire in Hold the Sky? On. I have not. I was gonna say I'm I'm ready to I'm I'm ready to keep going or hop off. Whatever you guys, yeah, whatever no, works for I'm, you guys. I'm oh, good right man. now. But holy um, shit, Travis, All right, guys, Travis Walton, his story. Um, if you if you just get some time one day, Travis look it up. Walton. Um, they made a movie about it. It's called Fire in the Sky. But essentially, Tra- Travis, Travis Walton was um, a, a logger, and um, him and some friends, essentially, that were up in the up in the mountains logging that day, uh, were driving down the road uh, up in the mountains, and essentially started getting followed by a really, really bright light, um, and it caused them to come off the road on the side of the mountain. And Travis got out and went to approach this light. Travis, and Travis Walton? Travis, Travis Walton. Alton. Walton. Alton. Walton. W-A-L-T-O-N. <laughs> um, anyway, and he was abducted. Okay. He disappeared. His friends, including his brother, were interrogated and investigated by the police for murdering Travis. They even were given um, polygraph to basically see if they were lying about what happened. And then a Several days later, Travis made a phone call from a payphone, like several, maybe like, I don't know how long away, like 20 miles away, naked at night in the rain, asking for help. And they had to drive out to him. Um, And essentially, he said that he was abducted. And Fire in the Sky is, the movie is terrifying, dude. I'll have to watch it. Okay, yeah. Um, So, I want to, I want to, I want to, I'm, I'm, it's, it's stuck in my brain now. Chris, after okay. my comment on the ODST, just if no. we can do it, Stop. your comment on you are the problem. I got it. I got it. I want to, I want to dig into no, the comments. No, stop. <laughs> I know what you're going to do. All right, go ahead. 
No, I want to dig into that combat. <laughs> all right, all right. Last week. That's it. What is what is what is what made you react to? Like, what was why was your reaction to? Oh yeah, if we could be space marines, was you, why was your reaction? You are the is it problem because to of that? the word marine. No, it's because of the idea of being able to cross the third to fourth uh, math problem. Okay, so so this guy, what he's talking about is one of the people that dis- disappeared in the uh, National Park. Mm-hmm. Tell about Travis Walton still? Yeah. So okay. I'm looking him up. So mm-hmm. Travis, he's still alive, Walton, by the way. And he and he disappeared, and mm-hmm. then he reappeared, mm-hmm. uh, like a hundred and sixty miles or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it, it was way far away. It was after his brother and friends were yeah. investigating, being investigated for murder already, and had taken a polygraph. Yeah, it, it passed the polygraph, by the way. Yeah, and if, it was super how much weight weird. You put so into he, polygraph. Yeah, so he disappeared and reappeared mm-hmm. as the same person. Which is what I'm reading on Wiki. Mm-hmm. By the way, guys, I'm reading Wikipedia right now. I'm, I'm catching up Dude, I, on this. I'm not a, a. I'm a Wikipedia apologist, man. Yeah, I'm. I'm reading it up right now. Wikipedia. I'm reading. So he disappeared. Uh, 1975 reappeared. Help me, Brandon. Mm-hmm. Reappeared. I'm. I'm reading the article. Reappeared nineteen. Help me, Brandon. I don't know what year. I just know he reappeared. Essentially, you know, he reappeared. You, guys, you know what you guys need? You guys need a Jamie. We do, dude. So normally, <laughs> when, when, when Zach is when Zach is here, Zach Jamie is really on. really well. Hold on. You put me on. Yeah. No. I no. I I asked. I asked about. Right I asked. Now. I asked about what you have against space marines. Yeah. No, I don't have anything against space marines except they. That's not a real branch. But yeah. Well, but yes. Not yet. On. We can all agree on that. Yet. Not, yet. Not, yet. not yet. Not yet. Is and I'll be the, the first question. enlisted there. Is is space force a dorky ass name or is that cool? Nineteen seventy eight. Mm. Nailed it. Nailed it, guys. I space finally Ford. found it. Because Space, Space Force, Force just sounds dorky. Yeah. To me, it's just like, okay, like what I, else would oh. you call it? But it's also just like so obvious it's stupid. Why wouldn't you guys call it Space Rangers? It, uh, it means a good opportunity. It's, that would cheapen, that would cheapen the, the Rangers, term Rangers. I would say Rangers would yeah. get all super butthurt about it. Why wouldn't you guys call I, it Rangers? I think would... that here's, here's my take on why mm-hmm. I would say why they probably had to choose Space Force. Mm-hmm. Because let's let's be honest, all of the cool names mm-hmm. have been taken by uh, by movies and video games. <laughs> I guess that's that's true. You know what I mean? Like, like what it's else? Copyright infringement. Yeah. Like you can't be like you know you can't call them any of the cool names. Yeah. Like they're all it, taken. It's lame too that like Space Force members are called Guardians. Like, you know why not? I don't know. Spa- oh, Spaceman. Astronauts. I didn't know that that was like so. Like they're, instead of like a soldier, marine, they're called like, gar- guardians. Yeah, which is which is really like, dumb. That's as bad as the Redskins changing their name to the fucking Commanders. Like that's, guardians, it is. Like, it's it should be right? cool. 
it should, should be, be cool. but it, like Guardian sucks. You know what I mean? Like, but it'd, like be, it'd be cool. It'd be cool if like they actually had Space Marines. Like, yes. If you're a dude in like if you were a dude yes. in a giant suit, Master and they're like, oh, like if you were dressed up like Master Chief and like, mm-hmm. oh, that's a Guardian, I'd mm-hmm. be like, yeah, it is. Yes, yes, that is a Guardian. But instead, you know, it's the nerdy kid doing satellite comms. You know, yeah. You know, like, <laughs> And do, like you're not a guardian. Like flirting with the idea, and I'm, I don't even know. I, I could be wrong. This could be enacted, but that there's no one hundred percent. I I think that every single person of the United States Department of Defense wished that Master Chief was their guardian. Yeah. Oh yeah. Every, everything you guys are saying mm-hmm. if they could if they could grab that guy and be like that's our guy just clone this mattis. is our captain america just clone mattis that, clone that mattis. is yeah. cap that is captain america yeah. if you could grab that guy for gen, like gen z boom, boom. we would we that's wouldn't it. have a problem you know i mean if we're going to talk about video games the you know my biggest disappointment mm. that the military never put in what I was recently replaying the Gears of War games, oh. and I'm sorry, but why don't why don't we have chainsaws, dude? We, like we need they, we need bayonets. Just make why don't we have chainsaw make, bayonets on our guns? Chainsaw bayonets. <laughs> just make like the the two hundred three through you know hot swappable yeah. with the fucking with the fucking chainsaw. Just slap know? that on on the rail My, system. Just go, you know. Just, I mean, imagine the the fright you'd have. All of a sudden, just fix bayonets, and instead of you hear people yelling, you just hear vroom, 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 vroom. Dude, trench warfare. I feel like I give up. I give up immediately. Dude, the Ukrainians could learn from this with all the trenches they've built over there, dude. Shotguns. You heard it. You heard it here first. Yeah, shotguns. You heard it here first. Then forget drone warfare. The next advancement in trench warfare is going to be chainsaws on shotguns. There, dude. That is like the perfect trench warfare weapon right there. That really is, dude. That like that C- is, C- that C- is spot CQB, on. Bang, you know, boom, boom. You know, I, I, you can I take it. the door down with it too. Mm-hmm. You know, exactly. Barbed wire gone. Yep. You need but... to, you need to cut some beams to like collapse some of these trenches that you know they've kind of made into you know CQs and shit like that. Boom, collapse. It's the ultimate problem solver. It is. Dude, what? We need to have a business conversation when this is over, George. <laughs> what, what was what was the thing that you wanted to wrap the podcast up with? And we'll, we'll close out. Oh, yeah. So I quoted it once. Um, uh, the Hill Worth Dying On. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was the last page. It was like pretty inspiring. And okay. I was go, and I'll just read it here. It's just two paragraphs, basically. Because mm-hmm. um, we talked about like you know, Chris asked, like, how does someone get involved with politics? Mm-hmm. How do you get involved? How do you better your community? How do you better your state? How do you better your country? Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, this is, this this, this resonates. Um, do not lose hope. Do not fear an uncertain future. It is easy to believe that we are un- incapable of mustering the courage required to accomplish great deeds. However, just as a single snowflake can combine with others to become a roaring avalanche, a single act of courage can inspire a sweeping movement. Most importantly, everything we do in this life is to better the lives of those after us. While while none of us beg for a challenging life, I do not cringe at the struggles that our nation currently faces. Rather, 
I am driven by the hope that my children will not be burdened by the current scourge. With that, I seek a future bristling with freedom, one that unites our nation under the banner of liberty and casts out those who would oppress us. America has no place for the cowardly, nor does she welcome tyrants. Rather, she is what she was always meant to be, a land of the free and a home of the brave. Amen. And I was like, that is, it's, yes. that's Sick. everything. It is. Sick. And who, who said that? It's probably, uh, that was uh, Hillworth dying on. Last page. No, the the author. Who's oh, that? Timothy Edwards. Timothy Edwards. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. Well, guys, uh, right. uh, George, I appreciate you reading that, man. I think it was um, a great way to finish because the conversation we've had tonight, essentially, I mean, we've talked about a lot of stuff. Yeah. And this, this is discourse. One hundred percent is is how we're going to get out of this. We all have to have these conversations, and you know, circling back to what we said at the beginning of this podcast is podcasting in general. This is, you know, I I don't think I'm going to be, you know, the next Joe Rogan. You know, that's a that's a flash or not. That's you know a million to one chance, you know, but whoever listens, the small number of people that listen and just us having this conversation is exactly what we need. All of us having these talks and understanding, you know, we all are Americans. We need to discuss our obligations. We need to discuss what it actually means to be a citizen. And um, I think we did a really good job covering that stuff in the podcast. And George, it would be, it would be awesome to have you back on again sometime soon. I'd love to. This this, this was a fun conversation too. (laughs) No, it was fun. You know, it bounced around and, you know, uh, just the last thing and with that whole mentality is that like when you look at the founding fathers, mm-hmm. um, my biggest, my favorite is Thomas Paine. Mm-hmm. Um, and he wrote Common Sense. He mm-hmm. wrote it anonymously. Um, he donated the proceeds to the war effort. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when he died, six people attended his funeral. Um, and he was kind of lost for history for a bit. And then he came back and yeah, people don't know his what name. Is it that, yes. What is it that he said, brother? Say he the thing. called out bullshit for bullshit's sake. Mm-hmm. And say the thing. Say the thing. Which, which thing? one? The thing that Thomas Paine said at his funeral. The one thing. Oh, I don't funeral? know. I don't know. If you know, you should say it. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know it. Thomas Paine said, if I had but one country to die for, right? No, that was... Um, Nathaniel Hale, right? Um, that was Nathaniel Hale. Oh, I'm wrong. Call yeah. me out, guys. I did. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> I got you, dog. But like, you know, I look at I look at the founding fathers, and like they were just average dudes mm-hmm. chatting by well, bro. We, we're like, chatting older, at the bar. Older than a lot of them now. I'm yeah. 37. But they and right. and they started they started their movement by just sitting down at a bar or sitting down at a living room table. Exactly. And this is exactly what we're doing here. We're sitting down. Dude. We're bullshitting here and there, but we're also talking about serious stuff. We and are. I think like. As long as enough of us are actually paying attention and talking about what needs to be talked about, mm-hmm. and then that leads to action, yeah, I think we're all right. Yes. So thank you for that, having man. me. I really appreciate it. And yeah, I whenever you guys have an open spot, I'm happy to come back on. Yeah, dude, I would love you to come back on as well. I know Zach would like talking to you too. And um, uh, last episode, I said his wife just had their their crib midget, so he's a little preoccupied right now. <laughs> um, which is why I appreciate Chris filling in um, for him. So, but. Uh, Chris, man, do yeah. you have any closing closing remarks, bro? Before we uh, shut this thing down? No, I won't embarrass you guys. Anymore. <laughs> oh, you're not an embarrassment. All right, man. Well, uh, 
as always, um, appreciate you guys for listening. Go check out uh, Common Freak and Sense podcast. Um, definitely check out A Hill Worth Dying On, Timothy Edwards. Um, you can find it online. Uh, probably order it off Amazon, I think. Um, and uh, as always, thanks for listening to I Came With Fire podcast. And um, yeah, we'll wrap it up. Good night, guys. Thanks for, thanks for having me. God 100%. bless you guys. God bless America. Hell yeah. God bless America. God bless you.